listeners, welcome yourselves and sit on down. This is another fine episode of the SoxCast, your number one source for Spider-Girl fetish porn. I am your nobody host, Polly, (laughs) and this is episode 48, and I've got to my immediate virtual right, he's real juicy. It, it, it's Rhett. <laughs> Ew. Hi. Hey, Rhett. How's it going? Juicy. You're doing doing real juicy. That's how you got to say it. Like, anybody, anybody ever asks how you're doing from now on, you got to tell them you're doing real juicy. You got to have that ascension in your... Let me hear you give... Okay, Rhett, how you doing? It's big. <laughs> juicy. Oh, oh. Right. I'm feeling awfully moist. Oh. It's not your turn yet. You had to go make it gross. <laughs> Took John less than a minute to ruin another episode. God yeah, damn it. It really does do that. Yeah. Every time. Every time. Red, how you doing? Doing good. You ready for a big old podcast, I bet. Oh, yeah. You've been sitting I, here. I've been, yeah, I've been waiting for this one. You've been nope. eager. You're ready to just completely unload all over my face. I'm just like, I'm going to list everything this time. Did you hear what I said, Rhett? I ignored you're, it. You're yes, gonna I did. unload <laughs> all over my fit. That is, that is, a, a joke about me performing oral sex on you, uh-huh. and you ejaculating <laughs> all over my face. <laughs> <laughs> to my immediate virtual left, his butt is the butt that will surpass Metal Gear. It's John Fire. That's me. Wait, no. Shit. He does have a really great butt. I know. I can tell just by looking at... He has the kind of of face where where you look at it and you go, I bet he's got a nice butt. Hello. I don't know about that. Are you calling him a butt face? No. No. (laughs) She's totally calling me a butt face. I would... John, I would never call you a butt face to to your face. I meant to say, hi! Oh, there you go. You sound ready to go for another fine edition of this yeah. wonderful podcast that we do. Hour and a half long nap after at like six thirty. So now I'm just ready to love the world, right? Yeah. Just, yeah. Everybody feels better all the time. Yeah, I think John- every, I think the truth is everybody's fucking out of it. Because <laughs> <laughs> like I'm miserable because I went through laser eye surgery and the post op eye drops I have to take are making me uh, fucking miserable. Oh. It's terrible. I would, tell, I would tell you that my grandma went went through surgery the same like week. Oh really? Eye, eye, sur- eye surgery the same week. So we were surgery buddies. Exactly. So I saw eye surgery buddies. Yep. Should have sent her. Should have sent her some love for me, John. Yeah. I did actually. <laughs> we have. We got somebody sitting in here uh, again. Even though I said we were going to have any more guests this year, we got to make an exception because this one's special. This is really special because she is the official wife of the Sox cast. <laughs> That's me, Anna Fire. That's me. How you doing, Anna? I am doing okay. Are you ready to sit here and listen to a bunch of idiots babble for what could be three and a half to four hours? It's kind of what I signed up for when I married John. Well, <laughs> what what was it that made you said, I, like, after 48 of these, or 47 of these, not counting the sub-episodes that we've done, what made you finally say, like, you know, I finally want to sit in on one of these and see what, <laughs> like, what made that occur? Part of it was just kind of morbid curiosity, mm-hmm. and then the other part of it 
was I just played fucking Fire Emblem Awakening and I really fucking want to talk about it. Well, also I tried to play Fates and it was so much worse. Oh, it was no. so bad. She has just, and I just really just have a opinions. lot of opinions. She's got they're opinions? just building up and I've just been a mess. You building Wait, up to ex- just, just explode just all over <laughs> All over my face? All over your face, Polly. <laughs> All right. I swear. I love so this podcast. So many video game opinions. I love this podcast already. But yeah, let's go ahead and jump right into things. As everybody knows, everybody, even Anna, she totally knows. E3 was this week, the big Electronic 3 Gaming Expo, where you find out what the future is and where developers get together and put together bullshit demos that aren't real. Um... <laughs> uh, where everybody fakes everything and everybody gives out big pats on the butt awards because it's stupid and we we'll summarize everything that's important. It's real dumb, uh, but we're Boy, just gonna like cherry about E3, huh? I don't, look, I'm not saying I wasn't excited by a lot of the things we saw at E3, but that's kind of like what I want to do with this segment. We're throwing it out here at the first to kind of like get it done because I don't feel we need an entire extra episode to kind of get across like what we saw at E3 that kind of got the juices going. Rhett, what did you see at E3 uh, that got your juices going? Like craft Noodle. Get your noodle going. I gotta say it. Fucking Zelda. Fucking Zelda. Amen. Amen. Like, New Zelda is cool. They're taking there, inspiration. There's that and there's from... everything else. Like, it kind of just decimated everything else. Yeah, I think. Zelda is taking its inspiration from all the right places, and it was just announced that Monolith Soft is in on this project, too. They made a cool mobile So it it's got a lot of uh, of uh, Xenoblade Chronicles in it, uh, and I think that that kind of openness and like mixing that with the Zelda formula is really going yeah. to make that game something like like a Zelda game. Zelda games have not been special since maybe Wind Waker. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly right. And I think that, you know, despite some things that we'll go over later in another segment, <laughs> like, they're totally knocking it out of the park with what we've seen so far. And, like, yeah. that is a game I absolutely cannot wait to get my hands on yeah. one some way or another. Some people saying there were, like, a couple of whiners being like, oh, they're going after these AAA trends like Ubisoft. And I'm just like, no. <laughs> no, not <laughs> I mean, a... Yes, but I want to see their take on it. Yeah, like... Yeah. Nintendo, if anything, are very smart. And even if their output the past few years, generations maybe, (laughs) has been a little lackluster, there are brilliant ideas brimming from that company that, like, I want to see what they do with that formula. So, absolutely. Zelda, top of the fucking pile. Absolutely. It's funny because the Wii Zeldas were lame to the point that, like, any effort to just burn it all to the fucking ground and yeah. <laughs> rebuild it from the ground up Skyward is Skyward yeah. Give me a break. Yeah. Yeah. Don't want another one of those. I like how the new one kind of looks like Wind Waker by way of, like, Far Cry 2, honestly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, you're not wrong. seems like the main reference point, almost, in a way. Even yeah. Though, like, you can see other stuff like Skyrim in there, or even Shadow of the Colossus, like... And the original game, obviously. Hmm... Uh, it seems it's in really the right exciting. place. Like, I hope that I, there are walls you can bomb that don't have any indication on them that you can bomb them. Right, right. <laughs> That's see that wall. You could bomb it. Yeah, you could bomb. Boom. That wall. Might be something behind it. Might be a guy who wants who forces you to pay to repair his wall. 
I mean, there's old men in the, or at least one old man in the demo. Yeah. It's like, yep, we are going back to that first game. Yes. Yeah, that's going to be the first day. If that is, like, if that game has some kind of ridiculously long intro, they're doing it wrong. Mm-hmm. They need to just drop you in that world, maybe do a pan around the character to give you an idea of the world, and it's like, go in that cave behind you. Yeah. I mean, I saw the intro that they have in the demo. I hope that's just how the game actually starts. Yeah. It's just you wake up and just walk out and you're going. Yeah. So good. Exciting. So good. So is there's one more. There's one more thing that grabbed my attention at E3. What's that? Um, Kojima and preg- male pregnancy oh, game. Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> Hideo Kojima has lost his fucking mind. No, he lost it a long time. No, he's lost it. Like, I think that you could look at a man maybe trying a little too hard in his previous things, but now he's fully embraced the idea of his mind jumping out of one of his ears and not having it anymore. And now we've got male pregnancy guy. You see, it's a metaphor. His baby was Metal Gear. And they ripped it away from him. Yeah. Norman Reedus and the Funky Fetus. Yep, Norman Reedus <laughs> and the Funky That is the best title. If that's not the title of the game, I don't fucking I don't know. Want it. Oh, yeah, it's Death Stranding. Death Stranding. I don't like the actual title. Death like, Stranding has something to do with, like, beached whales, I yeah, think. Yeah, which were in the trailer. Yeah, so they were in... It makes sense. It just doesn't roll off the tongue. I didn't yeah. actually watch the trailers for anything at E3. I'm purely going off of, like, Twitter response Dude. and screenshots. <laughs> you gotta watch that trailer, if anything. Okay. It's so fucking bizarre. It's just like, Kojima, you're... You're nuts. What are you doing? What? You well, silly, silly boy, you. It's a, Kojima, it's a Kojima thing that isn't Metal Gear, so that's really exciting. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm totally like, excited for that, yeah. Like PT was exciting. Yeah. Yep. But, the, you know, Sony Sony's just basically giving the man a blank check and saying, you go do what you need to do for three years and bring us something good <laughs> that'll settle. Three, three years. We're <laughs> hope. Three years is like, the, I don't even think they have an actual engine yet. <laughs> Oh my god. Uh, how about Horizon Zero Dawn? Oh god, that looks so good. That game looks so good. You're a girl that's, with that's a bow, and you run around, you shoot robotic animals. and Robot then you, dinosaurs. And you reprogram them to be your buddies. Oh really? I didn't, see, I didn't watch a ton of extra stuff. Oh, but. yep, 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 yep. Oh, you can reprogram them to be your buddies, you can reprogram them to like be somewhere, like uh, you can ride it around, or they can attack for you. Like... We don't really know what the story of this game is, and we only know that it's kind of like open worldy and like sort of post apocalyptic and the girl is awesome and and shooting a bow at things. Yeah. It's just a, it's like that being her main mode of attack is so cool because it's not something you see in games where you have to like actually focus on like getting your shot lined up, making sure you pull back hard enough to do enough damage or get it there. Uh, it's really, really cool, and it, you know, and if they if, if if they play their cards right with how the encounters are laid out, like that's going to be just an amazing game to like watch and play. Yeah, I'd be really up for just like robot dinosaur monster hunter <laughs> Pokemon. That's basically what it is. I showed my dad a bit of that game, and he just goes, "Oh, is this Zelda?" I'm like, "No, no, no, <laughs> <If only. laughs> no." But yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Resident Evil 7? Absolutely. They're crazy. They are taking that series and doing exactly what needs to be done to it. They are tearing it apart. <laughs> yeah. 
They're literally tearing it apart, <laughs> throwing everything on the table, looking at the pieces, throwing away what doesn't work, mixing some new things in, and holy shit, like, and I gotta give them props for that fucking logo. Oh, yes, that is, <sighs> that might be, like, my moment of V3, it's just the seven appearing. Yeah, the seven appearing. And at the end of the... behind it, like that's fucking classy. Yeah, and I love and then, that Biohazard, like the the Japanese name of the series is Biohazard. So to do the seven in Biohazard, they take the first two strokes of the Z to make the seven. Yeah. So the, and then both of them are um, subtitled the different. The, yeah, the other yeah. Title. This is Resident Evil Seven Biohazard in the U.S. and it's Biohazard Seven Resident Evil. In Japan, that's so that's, great. That's real silly. That's so strange. <laughs> it's strange, but it's strange in like the best possible way. Like I love abject so silliness. Cute. I love abject silliness like that. Plus, it's making they want to make yeah. There you are. They want to make Resident Evil like scary again, right? Was sort of the idea. Uh, and it absolutely yeah. looks terrifying. Cool. The whole thing is playable in VR. Yeah, and it's playable in VR. It's like it's, it's not that's not something I will personally engage with. No, but I imagine that being just absolutely ins- insane. And I saw a lot of bitching about that one on forums. It's like, guys, where were you when everyone hated Six? Like, what the hell? Yeah, they needed to do something to the series. Yeah, the series was dead in the water when Six came out. That was like out. constant. Was like every single thing that people were excited about. There are also people who are like. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I'm really interested in this direction. <laughs> just, I'm just, uh, yeah, I'm really glad that they're doing something different because another yeah. one was like, oh, they're changing God of War. It's like, Dude, no one liked Ascension. <laughs> look, let's talk God of War. I am on board with what they're doing here. Cool. It looked real interesting. It's like they've taken this character that had, had not a lot of, like, I think that Kratos had a lot of depth in the first game despite the fact that he's just up. A, a teenage fantasy of a man seething with rage and <laughs> killing things and having sex with women. But this looks like they're going for a real mm-hmm. mood piece with this character. He is much older. He is. This is a sequel. This is not a prequel or a reboot. He Didn't a, he die in 3? But then I realized, oh wait, he died in all of them. Yeah, like, he's, he's not a really demigod. much of an obstacle. He's a demigod. Yeah. So, but, you know, he's now facing this new life with, you know, like this new responsibility of a child and like trying to not really right the wrongs of his life, but to get his shit together. And I, I really <laughs> hope they can do something really, like, interesting with that storyline and that character, because I think it would just, like, it would totally breathe an entire new life into what that series is, and it doesn't play the same, like, it is just totally different. Cool. Yeah. Just a whole bunch of reinventions of these big series that are stale. Yeah, absolutely. That's really positive. And then you've That's- got, and then you've got continuations of series that are already great with Persona Five. Holy <laughs> mother of God! We <laughs> saw a lot of Persona Five at E3 more than I thought we would. I am fucking stoked. They added in demon negotiations again. Yep. Oh my god. <laughs> oh my god. That's from the other Shin Megami Tensei games where you can like, where you like chat with the demons and be like, "Hey, want to join my team? I'll give you a potion." Uh, um, give you another potion. I'll give you some money. Um, and then they're like, "Do you, what do you think of my hair? It's yeah. pretty good." Or, or like um, weird moral I choices. I hate false compliments. Die. <laughs> yeah, or, or like weird, like weird moral dilemma questions, where it's just like, <laughs> "Would you do this or would you do this?" And it's just like, 
It's real. Inter- it's real interesting. It's like uh, they've taken a bit of the RNG element out of obtaining personas. It seems, which you know, like that could be a bit tedious in the other games as well. Hard mini so, game and yeah, that's So one of the demons is going to be like, okay, there's a train and there's four people t- tried to the tracks, but if you hit the lever, it'll hit another two people. Do you pull the lever? John gets what I'm going for. Yeah, I, I think you do, right? Just that, yeah. <laughs> so, yep. Persona 5, looking great. Uh, like, wasn't there a whole bunch of Final Fantasy 15 material? There was, but uh, I, I didn't really take in much of it. Okay. Like, I I don't know really what... Like, <laughs> what even is that game at this point? Well, it's an open, open-y action RPG thing, right, where you play as a boy band? And a boy... <laughs> it's like a, a boy band road trip. Like, I think it's going to be interesting. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. It's going to be interesting, like, no matter what, I just, like, I'm really, like, like is it going to be good? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's it's a weird, weird thing. There was also, a demo. it's been in development for, like, 10 or 12 yeah. years. Yeah, so that's the crazy thing about this E3. Final Fantasy XV and Last Guardian, they're coming out this year. Finally. So it's like, oh, I, I guess Half-Life 3 officially wins the Vaporware <laughs> Award. Yep. Cause, Half-Life like, 3, never seven- fucking happening. It was like seven years ago I made a thread on the forum like, which of these do you think will never come out? And, oh, Half-Life 3, our winner. Congratulations. Yes. Yep. Yep. Uh, anything else catch anybody's eye at E3? Uh, they're making a new Spider-Man game, and I and think that's real interesting. Yes! Yes! The team behind it, incredible. So what if they made... I don't actually... Look, I can't even remember the name of the team. Really Is it Insomniac? Yeah, I think it's Insomniac. Uh, but I think that, like, they've done uh, games like this in the past. Mm-hmm. Uh, cool. A lot of people thought it was Sucker Punch at first. Uh, they did the uh, infamous games. And, like, well, uh, you know, they could probably do a good Spider-Man game, too. But I know Insomniac, they've got they've got the cred uh, to pull that off, I think. And that game, yeah. like, they didn't show gameplay, but it does look like it's going to be really freaking good. Yeah. I think oh, Insomniac. They're the Ratchet and Clank. People. Yeah, oh, okay. yeah, that's right. That's right. And um, Resistance and Spyro. Yeah. Cool. I think what's really interesting about that, though, is like, so was this part of the deal to get Spider-Man in the MCU? Where they're like, okay, what if we trade you exclusive movie rights for exclusive video game rights, basically? <laughs> that's interesting. Because this game is PS4 exclusive. Yeah, it's PS4 exclusive. So. Cool. They, uh, Sony just wants that Spider-Man font again. <laughs> they want to plaster that on their PS4. <laughs> yeah, if you didn't know, Anna, like the original PS4, the original PS3, the fat version has a the the font on the top of it is the Spider-Man logo, essentially. It was like Spider-Man three and PlayStation three the same year. Yeah, and they had the exact same looking font. And the PS3 came packaged with uh, Spider-Man three as well. Oh, did it? Oh, yeah. Jesus Christ! Oh, wow. <laughs> so it was a, it was real silly. And it, looks like, and it looks like a George Foreman grill. <laughs> I still have mine. I still have mine. Cool. So anything else from E3, or are we moving on? I think that's about it. So with all of that video game stuff out of the way, I hope you guys don't mind if I do, uh, I'll throw a little curveball at you here, and uh, I don't know, you mind if I talk about a video game or two? <laughs> yes. How you guys feel about that? Go I think John it. is super excited. John seems super stoked about video games. Well, 
If I knew this, I would have actually made this a video game podcast. Oh, damn. Uh, so, how many here have heard of a wonderful little game called Super Hot? Hot. Super, Super Hot. Super Hot. Super Hot. Super hot. Um, our good friend Maple uh, was back with us in March, and they talked about um, Super Hot a bit. And I finally got to actually play through it in its entirety, and... Um, it is a wonderful first-person shooter that only moves when you do. Um, cool. which which that's that's the, that's the basic setup for it. That makes it. sense. Time Trying just to... does not progress except when you are moving in the world. So so like when you fire a bullet, the bullet is in the air and the bullet does move at a very 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 slow rate and I think that's done just for difficulty balancing, but if as long as you're not moving, the bullets move very slow and your enemies don't move at all. But when you start to run, that's when enemies start moving, bullets move at their normal speed. So you, you get a lot of instances where like the game is teaching you that um you have to be uh you have to lead your shots. Uh, a lot, and it's really, really puzzly in that way because, like, you take out one or two dudes, and like, you know, you grab their gun out of the air as he's crumbling apart. Turn around, shoot another guy, throw your gun at another dude, steal a sword from another. It's, it's absolute insanity, and it's just the, like the the action scenes you can put together, um, with this wonderful little system that they've put together. It just feels good, and it's just like. You know, it's not a game where you're shooting guys and blood is gushing everywhere. It's just these, like, faceless, featureless red guys. They're just humanoids that have guns and other types of weapons. And when you shoot or hit them, they just smash like glass in this wonderfully satisfying way that feels so good every time you do it. It's like, it's perfect game feel. Like, you know, it's a really like, striking style, too. Absolutely. It's like, it's got this really blown out like white like everything like, like think of mirror's edge with less color <laughs> like, like the only things that have color in the environment are like wep- like melee weapons which are typically like black guns are black and your enemies are red and that's it like the game does not switch this up at all um uh, and every like it's divided up into like mini missions, so it's got a very super meat boy kind of feel to it. So if you fuck up and die, it just rewinds the scene and you go again. Mm-hmm. Um, and it keeps things going at a pretty fast clip. Um, I just like it's like when a game just feels really fucking good. It's hard to put to words. Like 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 how do you how do you mention a feeling like like when you smash a dude to pieces, it just feels really fucking good. <laughs> Definitely, yeah. Uh, the, the, it has a also. Couple... I just remember playing the demo and getting a lot of that sensation. Yeah, the, like the, the demo. The, the demo is very, very representative of what the final game is, and um, cool. I, I think a few of the stages from the demo are actually in the game. They're just reworked a tiny bit. Um, uh, but it's really cool to just like run up to a dude, like fucking throw an ashtray at him he'll drop his weapon and you just grab the weapon out of the air and shoot him with the gun he was just trying to shoot you with point blank and it's just oh my god it just it gives me tingles just talking about how fun that game feels to play does it do the thing can you do the thing where it um plays at a regular rate yeah, like after you finish a stage, it'll play your, um, it'll play what you did in real time, and it looks even crazier. And you can actually like tell the game to upload those, and it'll send them to YouTube uh, cool. via via Killstagram. Uh, 
I, I, I put a few of those on Twitter of some of the things that I did. Like, you know, like I jumped from a balcony and just landed on a dude and shattered him. That was real fun. Really? I, I miss those. That's weird. Yeah, I posted them on my Twitter. Um, Killstagram. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I won't be dated in like a year. No, that won't. <laughs> but, uh, and it's got a, it's like, and the story, like, I won't spoil it because there's not a whole lot of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a story that you'll know exactly what they're going for once you start getting into it. But it's told in earnest and it's done really well and it devotes itself to this uh, unique aesthetic of like you launching a computer program or computer programs. That's that's another thing. Like there are like there's more computer programs on this dumb little game than just super hot. Like there's a bunch of random weird shit. There's like I think there's like a 20 minute chat session you can set in on, which I watched. I like, like I, I, I didn't make it through it all because I accidentally pressed a button and left. And oh it, no. And you have to like start it over. But <laughs> I was just sitting there for a good 20 minutes when I first played the game, like my first 20 minutes in super hot, was just reading the chat of like this fake chat of people talking about like the environment or like what super hot is and like why everybody's so obsessed with it and the actual nature of what it might be. And it's just like, and it's done really well because cool. Like it's people coming in and out of a chat room and getting banned. And there's like a lot of dumb, like leet speak and calling people noobs and just like, <laughs> Oh, I pwned you. It's so dumb, but it's all done in earnest and done unbelievably well. Like that game commits to what it is and it is fucking admirable for doing it. And so there's like a cool framing device, basically, it sounds like. Yeah, like the framing device. That's what I was looking for, you smart cool. person. You. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I, you guys need to play Super Hot. It's real fucking good. Like, there are a couple of bummy stages that yeah. don't work too well. Like, I was. Elevator Pitch is a stage that just made me angry. I think everybody loves that one because. Is that the one where you just start in an elevator? Yeah, you like start in an elevator. Guys? There are three guys at you, and like the moment you move, they all fire. But you have to like yeah. hit it in such a way that like one of the guys gets hit by one of the your uh, the other enemies in the elevator mm-hmm. with you, and then you have to like pull that guy's gun out of the air. <laughs> but like when enemies drop weapons, they don't go from the same angle every time. So uh, it's a little tricky. So if like they shoot and his gun goes forward and out of your reach, you're kind of boned. Um, mm-hmm. And that ended up happening to me a lot. Uh, yeah. I think the only thing I would change about that game is that I wish the weapons that enemies had were randomized. Like mm-hmm. uh, Miami does because mm-hmm. like, like every time you start, you play a stage, the weapons that the enemies come at you with are always going to be the same. So you can you know pretty much plan a route. So, but, but like, if like an enemy, like that would, that has a pistol one time, then you restart the stage and oh, he's got a shotgun this time that changes mm-hmm. the dynamic of how mm-hmm. I'm going to play defensively and offensively. Um, yeah. yeah. So I wish that they would randomize the weapons a bit. There's an endless mode. Mm-hmm. I played a little bit. It was all right, but it's like, like, I think that just playing through the main story, which is about four, four and a half hours, you'll get Dang. what you, you'll get cool. what you want out of that game. It's just like wham, bam. You got, and it's got a really cool challenge mode too, where you can replay all the missions under entirely different um, oh. setups. Like the first mission, like you normally don't have any weapons, but then um, if you play the first mission in, in, in challenge mode, they start you with a katana. You can only have the katana. You can't throw your weapon, oh. uh, and there's like some other restrictions. So that that stuff's really really cool, uh, and I want to like dig around uh, in that a bit more. 
Mm-hmm. That sounds cool. But I think super hot is mm-hmm. fucking. It, it is socks, really socks cast approved. <laughs> Excellent. The thing I heard about that game was that people were kind of disappointed in the length because it just seemed like it didn't really fulfill the promise of the demo, or rather, like it didn't get too far away from it. I don't know. Man, I four felt, and a half hours sounds. I felt totally fully satisfied. Plenty. So and, that's that's and, good. And like for the last like ten or so stages, they they throw in a whole new mechanic that changes the way you approach it. And it, like maybe maybe I wish it could have had a little bit more time with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't want to spoil it. Maple may have mentioned what it is, but I won't spoil it. But I'll just say it's really cool, and they do a really good job of tying that new mechanic into the game's narrative and ending. Cool. Uh, it's super fucking hot. <laughs> okay, so what if you could take this character and play them in Dishonored? Oh my <laughs> god. That would be insanity. That's another game for me three yeah. that looked great. Dishonored 2. Do you have the first one? You no, never played uh, it? I don't think I have it, no. I thought you had it. But I man. might have it. I don't know. I don't know. I really like Dishonored, so yeah, Dishonored 2 looked good. I, I, I think Dishonored 2 is like the 3D... The, the promise of okay. a 3D Mark of the Ninja... You that, say that, but the first game kind of already was that, so... Well, maybe if I have it, I'll install it and play it. But, like, I think just, like, Dishonored 1's setting and, and like, its visuals, just kind of, like... I, I, I felt asset fatigue just looking at it. Mm. Like, it just it, seemed kind of boring to look at. Really? Yeah. I thought it was kind of, like, a painterly Half-Life 2. I liked it a lot. Well, okay. Different strokes, different folks. I might give it a look sometime. I think I have it. I don't know. We'll find out one of these days, one of these episodes, right? Yeah. All right. Um, so that's super hot. I also played Danganronpa Trigger Happy Havoc. Oh, this game looks good. This game is uh, it is a visual novel, mystery, uh, logic puzzle, kind of <laughs> Phoenix Wright-ish trial, full of mini games. It's... It is such a weird thing. It is such a weird thing. But um, the, the setup is that um, you uh, you assume the role of the main character, Makoto Nayagi, uh, and you're going to a school full of people who are the best at everything, the very best in the thing that they excel at. They're like, you know, you've got the ultimate baseball player, the ultimate, uh, the ultimate swimmer, uh, the ultimate gambler. Everybody there has something they're very awesome and unique at. And you only got into you only got in because of a lottery. Like every year, they always bring one person in, just luck of the draw, random person. So you like that the, they kind of refer to uh, Makoto as the ultimate lucky slash unlucky student. <laughs> uh, and all of the characters are just so out there and crazy, and they're written so over the top that like it's brilliant. Um, but, but, but the basic idea is everybody gets trapped in the school after they arrive. Um, and the only way you're allowed to leave is if you murder someone. And um, that leads to the class trial where if you can get off, uh, uh, you know, like, if you can get off and, like, ev- like, not be caught being the murderer, like, everybody else gets executed and you get to leave the school. <laughs> but if you are caught and you are found guilty of the murder, you are the only one that is executed. So it's like this really weird death game. Um, and, it's just a, and, and, and I have to give props to Spike Chunsoft for another brilliant character, uh, Monokuma. 
is my character of the year already. <laughs> uh, he's a devious little bear. He's so adorable and cute, and he's the one that set up this whole killing game. That's what that's what nice, cute people do. Yeah. You set up killing games. Uh, but you may remember Spike Chunsoft is also uh, the developers of the Zero Escape series, and you've got Zero the so Third. Good. And it's just like, like and Dangan Rampa came out after uh, Virtue's Last Reward, which had Zero the Third as this amazing, just like, like foil and antagonist. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have to wonder just like how much of the development between those two teams, like how much bled into like Monokuma being created sort of the same way, but still having his own very unique uh, and interesting personality as well. <clears throat> but it's a great story that like, it, it, I won't say that I was completely satisfied with the whodunits and the why done it. And uh-huh. at the, at the very last reveal, um, and I have absolutely no problem with how the game ultimately ends. Uh, but even that little bit of disappointment I have with like where they went with like who's the mastermind behind this whole thing, even if I'm uh-huh. disappointed with that, it did not bring down like the story in any way for me. I still absolutely loved it, the characters. And, it's, um, and uh, the trials are just stylish as all hell. Like you've got your typical cross-examination things where you know you find the contradiction in what they're saying. And you have truth bullets, which are the evidence that you would present in a Phoenix Wright game, and you shoot at the statement that is incorrect. <laughs> uh, and there are other mini games like Hangman's Gambit, where like you're you're trying to like deduce like okay, what was the method for this murder, or what was this motive, and you like letters will fly at the screen, and you have to shoot the the right letters and stuff like that. Um, and, then, and, then there, and then there's like um, a rhythm mini game where you have to like shoot like you have to like uh, tap A to lock on to statements, Y to shoot the statements, and you like you have to like reload and stuff. But they keep changing the tempo, and then the tempo like and then the tempo meter disappears, and you have to keep the beat <laughs> without the tempo meter. It's so interesting and weird. That, like, all of this stuff comes together, these real disparate elements, they're so unlike each other, really. Like, you've got this really good visual novel storyline, and, like, these crazy characters that are just amazing. It's an amazing cast of characters that are great to get to know. You've got, like, a weird social link system where you've got free time during the day, like, when there isn't a class trial going on where you can, like spend time with people, give them gifts and learn more about them. And the more you learn about them, you get extra skills that you can use during trials that you can equip like, Oh, well, like this will slow down the tempo meter or like, it's just so crazy that they piled so many systems Uh together that seem so like, they don't seem like they'd fit together at all. But it all comes together in this really awesome, sleek, stylish package with a satisfying story, satisfying characters. Um, and just, it's, it's just like, I did not expect it to be as good as it was. Cool. Um, so, even though you're doing all these mini games, like, the story is not really going to change, right? No, there, like, there's only one part where the story can change. Oh, really? Uh, and it will lead you down an immediate bad end. And oh, gotcha. you get that. Okay. And then you know to go back and change. It. <laughs> so it's not all those branching paths like the, Z- like no, the Zero Escapes no. games. It doesn't have uh, branching paths uh, like right. Escape. No, um, which is fine. Did yeah. you get the, Did you get the bad end? I avoided it. I avoided <laughs> it 
I avoided it, luckily. I didn't like. I don't know what decision it was. Is the thing. Huh. I just know that there's a decision you can make in one of the class trials that will lead you down a bad end, and I never got it. Interesting. Huh. Do you know what it is? Did you look it up? No. Aw. Don't ever look up anything about Danganronpa. Oh, if, I, uh, I already if fucked you, that up. If, if you plan, I have not. If Woo. you plan on playing Danganronpa, like, the fan base, if they love anything, it is they love spoiling the shit out of this fucking story for some reason. Mm-hmm. Like, like, I went to look up, like, just some stuff on the wiki after I'd finished the game, and it was just, like, one of the one of the first lines in, like, the second paragraph was, like, and Danganronpa 2 was, like, fucking shit! Uh. It's like, great, so now I know a character is in Danganronpa 2, and now, like, something, uh-huh. like, now I'll be playing that game and just waiting for that to happen. I don't know what they do in 2, I just now know, the, oh, they're in 2, okay? I, I think everyone's in 2, though. I have no idea. I mm. think two is like a Higurashi thing where it just restarts with the exact same cast. I know it's not the exact same cast. Okay. But... I know for a fact that it's not I, because I know some of the main characters uh, in the second game that, and I've seen them, like, like some designs and yeah. stuff that are really cool. Mm. Like the rock chick with like the multicolored hair and stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah. I have no idea who that so is. So there's two main Danganronpa games and then a third person shooter spinoff? Yeah. I don't know what the fuck that third game is. <laughs> Ultra Despair Girls. Uh, I imagine that'll probably find its way to Steam at some point, too, given, oh, given the be- first two games have done really, really well. Yeah. Oh, excellent. Speaking of Steam, 999 is basically confirmed for Steam. Yep, yep they've confirmed. It's big- is, it the, um, is it the version with the actual game, or is it with the full game, or is it the novel version? So, oh. one, one of the developers on Twitter said, Zero Escape without the puzzles isn't Zero Escape. All right, that's so it yeah. might be a new version with puzzles and with the mini map or like the flowchart. Oh, wouldn't that be something? So it might be the best version if they do. Yeah, they'll finally have like kind of a definitive version. Yeah, yeah, that would be real nice. The only thing so, missing is that that moment at the end. Two screens. Uh, yeah. through, I don't know what that yeah. means, but everyone's like, "But you need two screens." It's really important. It, gotcha. it really says a lot, like because the top screen and the bottom screen like, both have a, serve a different Sudoku puzzle, and it's heartbreaking. They both it's not serve, in the version like, I played. Like, like both screens serve a different purpose. You, you mm-hmm. figure out what that what those purposes are. It's like your mind gets blown out of your skull. Because it's like I want to play the DS one because of that. Mm-hmm. But like, blown your mind pa- if you want. Polly had like you had like a bad experience with that game though because of all the like having to replay chapters. Yeah, over. Like, you playing the puzzles was really bad. Like I hope that like they just let you skip puzzles like if you've already mm-hmm. done. Yeah, that would be. Re- but they didn't do that in the DS in the DS version, and that yeah. really wore me down because it's like I already know the solution to these yeah. puzzles, which is why VLR is a much better game because every route has unique puzzles. Mm-hmm. And don't they just let you skip text if you've seen it? Yep. Like, that's pretty big. Yeah, like, the skipping text on the DS version of 999 was real slow. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that game was a bit of a chore to play through. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I would... I would. I ex- really think that story is it's really re- lovely, yeah. though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, Danganronpa. Um, a, a, good shit. Another socks cast approved. <laughs> like, I've had nothing but good experiences with games this time around. Woo! Yeah, that's... that's well... You played Antichamber. <laughs> You're good, Brett. I want you to play that with me on stream. Okay, we're gonna do. We're it's gonna... Good. it's gonna be something really stupid that you're stuck on because there's a lot of bullshit at the start of the game mm-hmm. where it's just like 
just stare at this wall for 30 seconds and it'll let you pass. Like That's, we're going to we're going to we're going to start completely from the beginning. Okay. Chamber. Yeah, oh my god. Rhett's going to Rhett's going to be with me, right? Motion sickness the game. It was amazing though, right? Rhett's, Rhett's going to be with me. It's going to be called The Polly is Dumb Stream, and we're going to figure <laughs> this out. Rhett will give me some hints, and I'll figure it out. Gotcha. Did you ever... You didn't get to the first gun? I got to the first gun. Oh, okay. Uh, That's further than I I saw the second gun. Mm-hmm. Couldn't get to it. Okay. All right. I feel yeah, I had that. I had that game on my game of the year list that year. I remember really liking it. Yeah. So I played Antichamber, and I got frustrated and said it was up its own ass garbage. <laughs> Aww. <But> I, <laughs> I'm willing to think that just like I've never been in the proper mindset because I know what that game is. That game is a game where I have to surrender myself to it mm-hmm. and like listen to the, like pay attention to what this game is telling me about the rules of its world. And mm-hmm. I, I, I'm probably just not doing that. Like mm-hmm. I'm thinking too. I'm thinking too yeah. laterally. I guess that game is weird though because like it's really two different games. Like there's the first hour or so mm-hmm. when you don't have a gun, and then there's the rest of it. Yeah, which is, mm-hmm. it, which is much more like actual puzzles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. Um, I did do one other thing. If you guys don't mind indulging me, <gasps> guess what? Okay. It's time for. We never mind indulging. Polly's dumb, boring music. How many here are fans of garbage? I am. Are you a fan of garbage? Yes. Have you perhaps heard their new album, Strange Little Birds? I have. It is not realize I was a fan. Yeah. That was a band name. I just thought you were talking about garbage. Just in the you car. see, we're old people. Yeah, we're old, um, but they are a really, really great sort of like like it's hard to describe what they do because I don't think anybody really sounds like them. Yeah, definitely not. Like you go back and listen to like all of their albums; they're all remarkably different, but they sound nothing like anything that was released at the time or even now. Like because mm-hmm. it's just like this fusion of rock and techno elements with uh, an amazing vocalist who's just like, she has gotten progressively better over the years. Mm-hmm. Like, because if you listen to their self-titled album, she's singing a lot in her low vocal range. She doesn't go very far, like out of her range. But like, if you start listening to the stuff on, on the new album, it's absolutely insane where she's going vocally because she understands melody a lot more. Her oh. melodies are a lot more complex um, and this new album, it's just so very different from what they do. It's very weirdly cinematic in a way, which oh, that's cool. It seems like a departure, but it's not really. I don't think it's a departure. I think it's just another facet of what they do musically, uh, and it sounds so good. Rhett, what are your thoughts? Uh, I've only listened to it twice, and the first listen was kind of like, uh, that's it. Like I was kind of disappointed, honestly. Oh, that's a bummer. It's not immediately grabbing me. And then on the second listen, I was like kind of warming up to it. Yeah, it took me a couple of listens, honestly. The first time, uh, it was just kind of like it was done and over. And like you get to the last track and it's just like, oh, it just stopped. Yeah, it's not that long, is it? It's like 41 minutes, I think. Yeah, I do. I do really like all the six minute tracks. Oh, they're so good. Those are definitely the standouts. So well put together. Yeah, and, then, and like, and then you got songs like "Empty," uh, which go back to that more rock kind of sound of stuff like "I'm Only Happy When It Rains" and things like that. Yeah, that one definitely kind of stands out as just kind of like, "Oh, we need a single." Yeah, yeah, and it was the first single. Yeah, I'd heard that before it came out. Um, but yeah, songs like "So We Can Stay Alive," um, "Night Drive Loneliness," 
Blackout. Like, those are the standouts because they're just so well arranged and put together. And you've got people like Butch Vig in this band who is just, like, an amazing producer. I mean, this guy produced Nirvana's Nevermind album, and that went on mm-hmm. to be, like, one of the biggest albums ever. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. Butch, Butch Vig is just, he's got a crazy good ear for arrangements and production. Um, and I'm just always a big fan of what he does. I try to keep up with him, but uh, the new Garbage album, Strange Little Birds, just really, really good. It grew on me real quick. Awesome. Like, cool. give, give it a few more spins. Yeah. I think you'll really, really love it. Cool. I did like their previous one. Uh, uh, uh um, not bleed like me, is it? No, definitely not bleed like me. It's not your kind of people. Not your kind of people. Yeah, it's funny because that one I listened to it when it came out. and It's just like eh, and then I put it down. Yeah, <laughs> that, that Metal Gear Solid Five trailer Gear- happened. I went back and listened to it just the same, and it was yeah. like, oh, no, wait, this actually is a really good album. Yeah, it totally clicked with me after that. I don't think they've got a bad album in their discography though. Like I, oh, that's cool. I really like everything. Like people don't really like Bleed Like Me and Beautiful yeah. Garbage as much, but I really like those albums. I really like Beautiful Garbage because it's kind of a weird, quirky album. But Bleed Like Me never clicked with me whatsoever. I think that album is just—it's a lot of mid-tempo. Uh, it doesn't really like very much track the track. It's very much a mood piece. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think that Strange Little Birds does that mood piece thing way better. Yeah. Cool. Cool. So that is what I have been up to. Anna Fire. <gasps> That's me. Would require your attention to the front and center of the podcast stage. Oh fuck! I've heard. You got this. <laughs> I did believe at the beginning of this show you mentioned something about a game you've been playing and that you love the hell of. Do you want to tell us about it? I guess I can. (laughs) Go! What you waiting for? You've been shooting me, like, you sent me, like, texts, like, 50 texts over, like, two or three hours with, like, these really in-depth thoughts on both of these games. You told me that my face was going to be exploded on with video game opinions, and I'm sitting here dry as a bone. I'm ready. You got this. Hit me. <laughs> Hit me with your uh, Okay. So, I played motherfucking Fire Emblem Awakening. That was the sweetest, like, motherfucking and I've ever heard. Yeah, that was. Motherfucking Fire Emblem Awakening. Yeah, I say motherfucking with the greatest <laughs> admiration and respect. Like, motherfucking Undertale. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Motherfucking Chrono Trigger. Motherfucker. Motherfucker. <laughs> but this game was just. I didn't expect a lot out of it when I went into it and when it surpassed my expectations. It surprised me. What surprised you the most? Like, like, uh, was it the story and characters, or like, did you find that like the gameplay clicked with you? Because these games are like notoriously difficult in their strategy. Well, I, I picked up Awakening. John recommended it to me because it has, it had the more approachable, uh, casual mode where mm-hmm. you can just save in the middle of these super long fights. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you don't lose characters and permanently. You don't lose characters, yeah. yeah. It was almost like not even a recommendation so much as a, here's a thing I've heard of that kind of sounds like it'd be our jam mm-hmm. um, because of the casual mode and because you can make your units kiss. Yeah. So and that, was, that was all we knew going into it, right? Yeah, that was basically all I knew about it. Yo. So I had super low expectations, but then the story was honestly... 
interestingly subversive in ways that not a lot of media has been um, to me. How so? And I don't know how spoilery I'm allowed to be. This I game, like I think like that real, this game, yeah, statute of limitations is over. I think okay. you can spoil as much as you want. Okay, so basically, like, oh, in a lot of media, when people are faced with, like, shitty parents, mm-hmm. there's either, like, the you have to forgive them, you have to forgive them kind of push, mm-hmm. or, like, oops, they're actually not your real parents. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Surprise kind of thing. But with this one, it's like, no, your dad is evil and you were created to be evil and <laughs> you need to destroy him. <laughs> he needs to go down. You know? That, that motherfucker in the worst possible way. Yeah, exactly. Sorry, I just hit the microphone. With it's my fine. Finger. You're good. You're good. So, and I think that that's something, like, given, like, I'm not going to go personal on you here, but I do know things about you, and I can see how that might actually connect with you in a real interesting yeah. way as well. Yeah. My, my, my family is shitty. Yeah. For context. For so, me. like, when you get to murder your evil family without remorse because they're actually evil. Cathart- cathartic. Just like, I think it's really cool how games wow. can connect with you like that because that's my connection with Persona 3 Fest uh, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, the answer. Nobody likes the answer because it is, it is terrible to play through. Um, but it has a lot of story and meaning that like it's a game that said a lot of things that I needed to hear at the time about loss mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. like let, like trying to let go of people that have died. Um, and it, it taught me something that, and it, it said something that I needed to hear. And I think that, like, it's really cool when you can connect with a game like that. Mm-hmm. Definitely. I did pick up Persona 3 at one point, uh-huh. but I found it so punishingly isolating. And bleak. Yeah. It is. Like, I was kind of expecting something more along the lines of Persona 4, where everybody loves you automatically and <laughs> you just date everybody. No, uh, no, Persona Three is a very bleak game. It is, it yeah. is a very. It, it's not a cynical outlook, but it is very, very uh, downcast. Yeah, yeah. Blue is the color of that game. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And that, like when you look at Persona Five and how everything pops, you've got like these pinks and blacks and these interesting um, choices for the UI colors and stuff. And like you have to wonder like. You know, the setting is in Tokyo, which is like a much bigger city, and it's just like, mm-hmm. how are we going to interact with characters like this? Because we have people from big cities, and you go from something like Inaba, which is this really, which was this really small backwoods kind of intimate town. There's yeah. a lot of intimacy there, so like, how are they going to play on you know like this bigger city and like the big city and how everything's so fast and you know everything's fast? And I, I'm just really interested mm-hmm. in that. Bitto. Yeah, that's really exciting. Wasn't there one more thing in the story, like the final boss in Awakening? Oh yeah, the final boss is an alternate universe version of yourself where you bought into all the bullshit that your evil dad <laughs> Oh my you. god! Yeah. And you destroy your alternate universe and, version of yourself. Yeah, you kill the version of yourself that bought into your family's like gaslighting. Yeah, exactly. That's wow. Honestly, exactly what happens. And a lot of people kind of, like, I was looking up reviews for it, yeah. and a lot of people really don't like the story of it. 
But I don't think that they understand just how subversive that is. Especially, like, that just isn't a thing that you yeah. see in any media ever. Yeah, it's especially a thing in Japanese media where you're supposed to have reverence for your elders and your parents regardless. You know, that is a very strong thing that is ingrained in Japanese culture. So and I mean, it, it is in... Yeah, like most Western culture as well. I mean, honor your mother and father yeah. is a fucking commandment. 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 Yeah. It ranks the same as don't kill people. <laughs> you know, like it's kind of. I, I, you finished playing it, and then I was like, "So have we finally gotten like the video game Tangled?" Uh, uh, no, like it was better than Tangled. Yeah, because Tangled's like the only other thing that comes close, and it's mm-hmm. a fucking like Disney movie, mm-hmm. which is great because. Telling kids that, hey, if your parents treat you this way, this isn't okay, mm-hmm. you know, is great. But also, it's like, oh, but she's actually the secret destined princess. Of the perfectly sweet And nice has parents. super nice parents. Mm-hmm. Super nice parents. Right. That's... So... That's interesting. Like, because, yeah, I've only heard people shit on Fire Emblem Awakening stories well. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, like all the people that I know are just like, oh, like, I just like Fire Emblem Awakening because Tharja's got awesome boobs. <laughs> oh, my okay, God. But oh, well, she, she does, by the way. <laughs> yeah. I, I absolutely <laughs> love her getup. Don't get Lots of scanty outfits. But yeah. I also kind of get the feeling that those characters, like, if those characters were people with volition... Like, actually, they would probably choose something similar to wear. Yeah. You yeah. Know, like, all the outfits seemed, like, a little bit ridiculous, but ridiculous in a way that, like, I can see I can see a person choosing to wear this. <laughs> I can see this person choosing to wear this. Yeah, it's just like, hey, that's your style. Yeah. Yeah. That's, and, and it had the casual mode, which was really nice. Yes, which made it more really approachable. Harsh. Yeah, like, I mean... I'm totally on board with shit like that. Like everybody gets so pissy, like when somebody brings up that they played Fire Emblem Awakening on casual, and it's like, dude, get over yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I- play games for fun, and like there is no invalid way to have fun with a game unless you're fucking up somebody else's fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree for sure. Um, but the really cool thing about Fire Emblem Awakening wasn't just the story or anything; it was how every piece of the game informed the other pieces of the game. Ah, kind of like Danganronpa, which I was talking about earlier. Where yeah, it was like these, these things just that kind of seem on a surface level to be kind disparate. of disparate. Yeah, exactly. And like, okay, so what does the strategy moving from block to block and planning out your moves have to do with making people get married and have babies? <laughs> right, right. Have to do with a dragon, I guess. <laughs> you know? And time travel. And alternate dimensions. But it really is just cohesive in a way that not a whole lot of other games are. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I would say my other favorite games, like Thomas Was Alone, also accomplishes this, where everything about the mechanic just informs the characterization, which informs the way that everything moves, and everything is just so connected in itself. All I think of that is a game having confidence, where mm. it, it puts itself out there, like, w- with little regard to what anybody thinks. It's just like, yo, like, this is me, and I, like, I'm throwing myself out here with this shit that probably shouldn't work, but it's gonna fucking work. <laughs> yeah, and, like, so... 
like so many of the reviews that I looked at of um, Awakening were well the gameplay was this Mm. (laughs) (laughs) and then there was one other review that I read that was like well it has a story that is not very robust (laughs) (laughs) and it was just like how can you remove these things from each other it was like I read, what was it, AVB's review? Mm-hmm. And I she, men- both of those yeah, after we she mentioned a bunch. that, oh, it has a chess-like combat system. And that, that was it. That was all she talked about. The whole long article about this game. When everything, and she just wanted to talk about the plot, but. It Jesus. all fit together for you. It all is a cohesive unit it is not these just disjointed parts it would be like talking about undertale and only mentioning the story and never once mentioning the the combat system or Mm -hmm. the element of choice in combat other than saying oh it's kind of shmuppy ish i guess (laughs) yeah like you're completely ignoring the fact that like that combat like every encounter is a part of the narrative Mm-hmm. And it like informs yeah. the supports, right? Yeah. yeah, everything is super. So you like compare people together and whatnot. Yeah, cool. And everything makes sense within itself. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Even if it's kind of silly, you know. And <laughs> lots of it is silly. It's really fun and pulpy and ridiculous. But I don't think that's a bad thing. Right, right. That that's exactly how I feel about Danganronpa. Is that. Like I said, all of these disparate elements, there's this abject silliness to it all. It's the, the, the plot is totally absurd, mm-hmm. but it stands on its own as this cohesive unit that, like, you look at, like, like you can't take one thing away from this and the, the, the thing still be identifiable as Danganronpa. Like, I don't think you could take, like, the mini games out and all of a sudden... Mm-hmm. It, it, because it loses part of its identity. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. And then, so I finished playing that game in like and two days. Jesus! <laughs> and it wasn't. It was. It was like okay. I guess it was like four or five days, but you had like seventy hours. Yeah, on the timer I, 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 I was basically <laughs> doing nothing but playing this fucking game. You're shotgunning <laughs> that game till two in the morning. This motherfucking just game. Laying down lines of the game and just yeah. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> Well, I mean, I relished it. I love... It was the first strategy game that I'd ever yeah, played. Yeah, you spent, like, two or three hours before, like, like, every plot battle. Yeah, like, most of the plot preparing. fights, I would just, like, sit down and, like, go through my inventory and, like, plan out, okay, well, who can benefit from this? And It oh seemed like God. every... It seemed like every single fight you were preparing for, like you are about to fight the Elite Four in Pokemon. Yeah, it was basically like preparing for the Elite Four in Pokemon. That's the, like, the but game. the game. That's like me and Rhett playing XCOM, I imagine, where every yeah. mission you sit down, you look at your entire loadout, you go over every soldier. It's like, okay, what do you have? Okay, what? Mm-hmm. I'm not taking you on this mission, so you give that shield to this guy. And it's just like, what can I do? Okay, I can go exactly. build this. It'll only take two days to build this, so I'm gonna go buy that extra sniper rifle. And you just go. That's the most fun part yeah. of Pokemon. Every was... time, every time in the fighting, at least, is yeah. when we're preparing for the Elite Four. Those are our yeah, best I stories. The, I, I'm the kind of person who made like spreadsheets about the Elite Four. <laughs> so I wouldn't say that I. Oh my god! 
I yeah. like spreadsheets. I make spreadsheets for fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm weird that way. Um, so so, so the, all that preparation so, stuff in Fire Emblem resonated with you. Yeah, I really loved it. So then I went and picked up a copy of Fates. Uh, which one? Birthright or... Uh... Birthright. Okay. Because... It was more know. like Awakening, I think. Yeah. 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 That was what the internet in, seemed to say. In Birthright, you can grind. In the, in the other one, you can't. Yeah. So that's more like the older Fire Emblems. Like, I played the GBA one where it's just mission, 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 mission. Yeah, there is so, no break. That's how old Fire Emblem games are. There is no break between missions. Like And permadeath. Yeah, no permadeath. Like, all, like, you've got a plan. Who's going to get the kills? Because you don't get extra chances for experience. You've got mm-hmm. to really, like... like Who's going to be my unit? What am I going to do with this unit? I need to make sure they get X amount of experience on this mission, mm-hmm. etc. And, and while making sure they don't die. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <sighs> it's, it's really, really suffocating sometimes. <laughs> yeah, that was, why, that was what I found really intimidating yeah. about the series previously and why I'm really glad that they have changed it yeah yeah but then i went and picked up fates which has a different writer which i guess has a, i don't really know that much they hired um some manga it. author to do the story for fates so uh, sensibly it's like oh look we hired a writer to do our game okay our game. but it was a steaming pile of this disjointed garbage like how did this fuck corporate garbage how, how long how, how far into it did you get like 10 missions yeah like 10 yeah so that's like a third of the game yeah, yeah. that's a lot like how did they fuck it up like what is what exactly is wrong here okay so you know how i was talking about how with awakening it's silly and sometimes it leans into the silly pulpy aspects of it and yeah. it's just has fun with itself mm-hmm yeah, we all like to have fun with ourselves. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm watching Rhett have fun with himself right now because he's got his webcam on. He doesn't realize it. <laughs> How delightful. Mm. Um, hey, but, I'm delighted. I'll say that. <laughs> but with Fates, it just really takes itself extremely seriously and melodramatically. Oh, it's just got a scowl on its face. The yeah, whole it's time. just permanently... When you started Downcast playing Awakening, you told me it was like, this is like chess plus Game of Thrones plus Persona. And then you played Fates, and it's like, they tilted the scale way more towards the Game of Thrones than to the Persona. Yeah. And I think that there's a time and a place for seriousness in stories. Like, I love serious stories. Yeah, but, but I can see how this that is not be. one of them. Like, this is not the time, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Because like, also, it was just a worse story for you, Yeah, right? for me, it was just kind of doubling back on the things that I thought were cool and subversive about the story elements mm-hmm. That's in the first game. And I mean, with um, Awakening, mm-hmm. you have all the social links and whatnot because that's the element that changes the... The timeline. The timeline. That's the whole there's reason. An evil that, ti- there's a bad That's the whole reason that you failed. don't go down the terrible, evil timeline. Mm-hmm. Where you become yeah. horrible. Yeah, where you become it's a bad you person. You create all these relationships yeah. with all these friends. You get, get to know people, and by getting to know people, you get to know yourself. So, is it like, uh, so, so with Awakening, can you go down both routes? Can you be an evil son of a bitch if you want? No, I don't think no, so. No, you right? can't. Oh, okay. Okay. So, like, the whole story is just like 
get I rid think of the, this evil fucker. The inciting incident is that Lucina comes back in time, and yeah. that's all. Oh, okay, I got you. I got you. I got you. Yeah, so that's the whole thing. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. Is but, trying to change yeah. that that timeline. Um, so it has flashbacks to Lucina's experiences in the evil timeline. Yeah, and just her fucking trauma that she's been through. Yeah. <laughs> um, but with Fates, it's just there's not really any reason at all to put in social links. Like mm-hmm. there's no plot related or com- not really a combat related thing. It's all related. isolated. It's mm-hmm. all just like wrapped up in itself and it's compartmentalized. Barbie doll smooch, mm-hmm. you it, know, <laughs> it's, it's compartment. It sounds compartmentalized. Like, like where everything in fire emblem waking sounds like it was put together in this nice box, like, and all the pieces fit perfectly together, but then they took the box and separated it and put these parts here, these parts here. So they compartmentalized yeah. have it. To ha- they liked this in the yeah, last they, one, so we have to put this in the yeah, new one. Yeah, they were like, okay, so that was... People liked that this game was easier and more approachable. So you know what? Let's just get rid of the... Numbers whole, on the UI. Yeah, the whole resource management. Let's just throw that in the garbage, <laughs> you know? And let's just add in Animal Crossing for some reason. Uh, and also... Get, like, yeah, you get, like, a random fort on something that they call a different astral plane that doesn't make any sense and is not, like, a part of the story otherwise. Oh, my God. So the dimensional it's really travel absurd. and time it's, travel like this weird, doesn't even fit as well. Yeah, it's not even part of anything that's happening. It's not part of the combat. It's not part of anything. It was it's so just, integral you have in the a story random, and Awakening. You have a random fort where you can go and invite people over to your house and... Like, apparently there's a thing where you, like, pet them that's in the Japanese version that yeah. they God <laughs> took out in the American version. But it's just everything about the game feels so exploitative. You know, it just is, like, ridiculous. Yeah. I heard, I, that's what I've heard about that game a lot is just people that, like, a lot of people that loved Awakening. I don't hear much love for either of the Fates games. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then the people that don't love Awakening don't love Fates also don't love Fates because it's... Yeah. (laughs) And I mean, like, with with Awakening, part of the... They had all these different ways where you could customize your experience and make things more traditional or give it a more approachable feel. Mm -hmm. Um, Very personalized. Yeah, it was very personalizable so that you could have the kind of experience that you wanted to have with it. Mm -hmm. But with fucking Fates, they're like... Okay, so on the basic number, looking at the stats interface thing, Mm -hmm. let's just take out all of the information so that there's only even less (laughs) information on the screen for you to look at. So they streamlined the UI and made it, like, By streamlining the UI, they made it more difficult to use. (laughs) (laughs) And you actually had to toggle back and forth between the, like, super intense, like, Detailed detailed view with, like, 50 different pieces of information and the other view that has like two pieces of information. God. And it was just like, you've got to be kidding me. Like they kind of missed the mark in the Mm -hmm. way that they tried to, they added like a Phoenix mode, right? Yeah. And they added a Phoenix mode where I guess you pop back into the battle as soon as you die. Like, (laughs) don't die. And I don't understand. That's a little excessive. Like, I mean, 
So people like that it there was easier. To have... They liked ki- making them kiss. So now let's so make, now it, so let's make it so that you can do those <laughs> things even more. Let's do more of those. More kissing. More, t- but taken out of the context of that story. Yeah. Yeah. That's real dumb. And it's just really disjointed. And the story simultaneously goes out of its way to absolve you of any responsibility or blame or anything. Well, simultaneously... Make you feel Making really you guilty. Feel really guilty and trying to like make the player feel like they've done something wrong, even though they go out of their way to. Oh, they were being mind controlled or something. Or yeah. Something. Like, oh, you're being mind brain controlled. Oh, no. <laughs> you were tricked. So and you have no agency. They're surprised, evil. There's no sense of agency in that game. Yeah, that's that's a far cry from what a lot of the other games in that series do like because the stories even though i find fire emblem stories uh they tend to be very simple and kind of dumb at times Mm -hmm. they still have like this element of urgency and agency within them where like the stakes matter Mm -hmm. and and, like the decisions that are made in the story whether you made them or whether the game made them there's a weight to them and it's genuine yeah Mm -hmm. definitely and and they don't try to excuse it Mm mm-hmm but with this game, like, it doesn't even make sense why the Avatar character is the person who is in charge of... Tactics. The tactics. Like, they're, like, probably one of the less qualified people oh, among uh, all of the party members. Probably one of the less qualified people besides, like, a and, villager. And none of your friends trust you? Yeah, nobody trusts you or <laughs> likes you. So it's just kind of, like, this really uncomfortable... That's position so that the game kind of puts you in and then it it's like oh but you have to make them kiss and you pet the wife's <laughs> you know it's just like <sighs> what even yeah it's like oh, yeah. people people loved that aspect of awakening and then they just kind of completely blew it out in the sequel but to an mm-hmm. absurd degree where it's just dumb mm-hmm. yeah we like, want the vita audience yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like the um Basically, it's and they like you still have a thing where you make the social links, and then you have alter, you have um, children time traveled into existence. <laughs> except it doesn't yeah. make any sense. They have the kid, and then now. they send them off to a different astral plane game daycare. Yeah, to grow up, and then you make them fight for you. Oh so my. it's just <laughs> yeah. that's so dumb. The oh, and plane. by the way, with the random, you know, the random encounters that you can spend money to buy and grind on so they are um they're called the faceless Mm -hmm. and like early on in the game they basically show you that oh what the faceless are is just innocent people who have also put a have us had a spell put on them oh my god that makes you look like you're a faceless so the grinding aspect of the game is inherently pretty despicable <laughs> and immoral, right? Like, yeah, that's pretty fucked up to grind that way. Like, that just seems like a little weird quirk in that game, you know? How quirky. <laughs> God. So, Fates, it really sounds like you really just had that kind of visceral response yeah, to it, was, it after having such a I great time. I was so with optimistic. Because I wanted to believe that this was what this that awakening was representative of what the series was, and that I it was something that I could really get into. Mm-hmm. Um, but it just 
showed me that Awakening was the exception mm-hmm. and a fluke in the I'll system. I'll probably play some of the older ones and see, because I remember really liking the Game Boy Advance one that I played. I really loved Radiant Dawn. Cool. Cool. Yeah, it, may, it might be worth trying out those at some point, but I think that... They are more hardcore, you know. They don't have that accessibility, unfortunately. Like, you're going to have to put your thinking cap on when you play those games. Mm -hmm. Yeah, which I I didn't mind. Yeah. In Awakening. Honestly, in Awakening. That's kind of what made me think. That's kind of what made me think that that you might be able to enjoy some of those older games. Because it seems like Fates might have, like, a particularly weird bad experience for a Fire Emblem game. Yeah. yeah, they were just like, let's put everything that anybody ever liked about a DS game into this game, and mm. it will maybe sell well, I hope. It just all felt so... Cynical? Yeah, corporate. Mm. Mm. You know? Yeah. Ouch. Yeah. They don't have feet in Awakening. <laughs> The models ain't got no feats. <laughs> they got okay. feet. They got feats and fates, though. <laughs> That's just a dumb quirk about those those two games that I know people That's talk funny. about a lot. I, what? It doesn't bother me. <laughs> people bring it up all the time. It's like, why? Why do you care? God. Yeah, I'm gonna yeah. just kind of go into any any um convo with. Oh, Awakening really ruined that series, kind of with a little bit of distrust. <laughs> yeah. But but yeah, I'm probably going to play Awakening pretty soon now. Yeah, you got to. I need to get on that. I've on been... that, like a top hat. <laughs> God. Fucking dork. <laughs> you know, whatever tickles your pickle. There you go. I'll tickle Rhett's pickle. <laughs> so we've been up to Rhett. Okay, so... Dumb story to start with. Right before the podcast, or a couple hours before the podcast, we were talking about Danborough on Twitter. Uh-huh. And Sayar and someone else were like, oh, I like Safeborough. And I'm like, fucking whatever. Yeah. Safe for work shit. And then John is like, okay, but Gelborough doesn't filter anything. <laughs> and then he's like counting images. He goes, I'm going to search my favorite tag. Oh. And then like the literal next thing he said was, I have to take a nap now. Oh my god. No, no. That's not what I meant. <laughs> and I, I didn't put that, anyway. I didn't put that together until the start of the podcast oh when you mentioned god. you take a nap and I'm just like oh, <laughs> fucker. That sounds real bad. He actually does take a lot of naps because he hasn't been getting enough sleep during uh, normal times. Yeah. But yeah, he does I know he was actually taking a nap, but I was like, I'm I'm play, honey, with like I'm gonna search my favorite gelboro tag. Okay. <laughs> I didn't put. <laughs> I'm spent. I didn't put those two together. <laughs> that, yeah. I, that was funny. That is pretty funny. That's a good story. So, <laughs> can put that up there with um. And now I've got a song dedicated to Polly. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> sort of John. You told me about that. Oh, okay. that's that's really bad. <laughs> John's most shining moment in paying tribute to someone he really likes and looks up to. There's a song about a rape victim. Oh my dude. I played I played Polly from Nirvana because I didn't know what it was about. Yeah. And I was like, here's a song for a special member of the audience. We were doing like DJ 
whatever. Oh my god. You should never be a DJ. You're no. the least DJ person. I spent like the You're whole... less of a DJ than DJ Tanner. I, I don't... I spent like the whole next day like wanting to pull a bag over my head. And, <laughs> and, next, and then we did it again and then I was like, okay, there's only one way that this becomes okay ever again and that's leaning into it. And then I said like, here's a song for a special member of the audience and I played Reptile. <laughs> I, did, I remember, like, after you played that, I did the same thing. I said, here's a song for a special member of the audience. He knows who he is. And I played I Hope You Die by the Bloodhound Band. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we have fun. We have fun. Brett, do you have fun? What have you been having fun with? What On that topic, though, one of my coworkers a long time ago did the same thing where he was like, every time he saw me, he'd go, Jeremy spoke. Oh, my God. And I'm like. Do you know what that song is about? <laughs> oh my you dumbass. That song's about a kid named Jeremy going to school and shooting himself in front of the class. Oh my god. Yeah. Oh my god. You're gonna dedicate a song to somebody. You better make sure it's about not that. Really? Oh my god. So, fun things? Did you do fun, fun things? I saw the new Ninja Turtles movie. Oh, the Michael Bay shit? Yeah. So, the first new Ninja Turtles movie, mm-hmm. I don't think he directed it, but like it's, a, it's his production company. So, at first I was like, I don't want to see that shit. I fucking hate those Transformers movies, whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then I saw it, and I'm like, it was okay. Like, it wasn't nearly as bad as Transformers 2. Mm-hmm. Which is like my garbage. Transformers Two is like when I actually started like thinking about movies critically because I was like, wait, because a you could literally never see anything worse than it. <laughs> because it's so fucking bad. So I was like, okay with the first Ninja Turtles movie. And then I saw the new one, and yeah, I'm still okay with those. They're not great, but they're really stupid. And mm-hmm. like this movie knows it's stupid, and oh, I think it's kind of lean into the cartooniness nice. of it. It yeah. sort of leans into the cartoon aspect of think, it a little better. Yeah, that's, that's kind of why I like the Bad Boys movies because they're very aware of how dumb they are, mm-hmm. and yeah, you know, it's another Michael Bay thing. So it's just like when they go crazy and just off the fucking rails, like it's very self-aware and tongue-in-cheek, mm-hmm. and yeah. that's what it is. Cool. I think that's what's really hurt the new X Men movie is that it's really stupid and then still taking itself way too seriously. Uh, combination really works. Yeah. So this the new Ninja Turtles movie is just like a huge tribute to the old cartoon where it's just like, Hey, we got the characters you want finally in a movie <laughs> I... where it's got Krang in it. It's got bebop and Rocksteady. Krang mm. is like a brain in a site. Who's that's ta- a brain with a mouth and a face that talks that lives inside like yeah. a cyborg body in its stomach. My, yeah. my. <laughs> so the one thing I didn't like is that his voice is way deeper in this one. Uh. And I, but then my dad walked out and goes, boy, Crank's voice was sure high-pitched or whatever. And I'm like, <laughs> not compared to the cartoon. Like, they, he kind of leans into it a tiny bit at the end. Mm-hmm. But Is the same voice actor? I have, I have no idea. Mm-hmm. I mean, it could be. Mm-hmm. I don't think so, though. It sounded like just kind of generic, real deep voice stuff. Yeah, uh, yeah that's kind of yeah. boring. Crank was way more entertaining of a voice in the cartoon. Yeah. Definitely mm-hmm. that voice. Love that voice. It's cool that they go with that r- ridiculous visual design, though, with the brain and with the bipedal rhino and pig yeah. with yeah. clothes. <laughs> it's yeah. just 
it's totally silly as hell. But mm. like, so at the start of the movie, like Shredder from the first one is in prison and they're breaking him out and they're like, oh, we can't get away. What do we do? And they launch like a teleporter and they teleport him into an alternate universe or whatever. And Krang is just there. Oh, right. It's, <laughs> it's like the biggest 180 I've ever seen a movie pull. Because Krang is immediately like, we need to build a device to portal more people. So you've got to get these three mystical artifacts from here to here. And, there. <laughs> and I'm just like, I hope a technodrome's in it. The technodrome is in it. Oh, yes. Oh. I may need to see this movie. <laughs> That's like their big kind of set piece at the end is. Oh, so good. <laughs> I love the technodrome. It's cool. Yeah. So they're trying to destroy the world with that. And it's just, it's so silly. Cause like everyone, like the police characters in the movie are taking it totally serious where they're like, Shredder is the most powerful villain in the world. And it's like, it's a dude with like knives on his hands. Like what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> and I will say like, I really liked the era of like puppetry and movies and stuff. And then when the nineties started, like CG was real bad yeah. for a real long time. I think CG might have finally like hit that turning point where your brain just accepts it now. Like even uh, as, as critical as I'm trying to be with it, because mm-hmm. like this movie, it's literally so it's literally called Out of the Shadows. Oh. So like for the first hour or so, like the ninjas are turtles are hiding in the shadows, and then towards the end, there's a like action scenes kind of that are well lit. Mm-hmm. Just the way like the lighting is hitting them, and there's higher contrast. It's like they look real at this point. That's kind of cool. Yeah, and there's a fight, like, in a river, and it's just, like, water's kind of splashing off them. I'm like, this is this is unbelievable. This looks real, even though it's, like, a giant rhino fighting giant <laughs> human-sized turtles. That sounds like quite the accomplishment. Yeah. yeah. CG has gotten so freaking good. If you look at Colossus in the Deadpool movie, I think they did a really good job in him as well. Yeah, definitely. Cool. So the next week I saw the Warcraft movie. Uh-oh. <laughs> oh, God. oh, actually, one other thing about Ninja Turtles. My dad, when we walked out of it, he goes, well, that was the best action movie we've seen all year. <laughs> and I'm just like, fucking what? <laughs> because oh, he appreciated that it was basically nonstop action. And I'm like captain america dude and he's like but this had more and i'm like man you are so easy to please <laughs> hey i'm the same way when it comes to movies i i can't like like i love a good story and i love a good you know but like you know, <laughs> go back to die hard it's just like you know what that's where my roots lie that's what me and my dad watched we watched dumb action movies and like i love contra so mm. hey look at it. it's just like give me all the dumb action i'll take it I love oh, it. but that's what happened to Transformers, where it just literally never stops giving you a down moment, and the Ninja Turtles is kind of guilty of yeah, that. Yeah, but the story is utterly fucking stupid. Yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. Like, that's why I don't... Like, I don't mind that the, 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 the Transformers movies are just nonstop stupid action. I just think the story is fucking stupid. Like, Die Hard yeah. is, is intense, the whole movie. Yeah! But what mm-hmm. character is there is really economical and well done. Yeah. That's Mad, same yeah. with Mad Max. That's really what you all you need. I need to see that movie. Yeah, it's your jam. Oh. You need to shut up about it, though, John. I, I've been doing my best. Okay, I, I was need to see it again. Oh. For a long ass time, it was yeah. all he would talk about. Yeah, I, w- I, I was really so mad when I saw Mad Max. The theater didn't play it loud enough, and I think that infected my 
enjoyment of it a lot. Experience. Yeah. Oh, because it should have been fucking shaking the whole theater. Come over. I've got a 60-inch TV. <laughs> I've got a great surround sound system. Why don't I help you out there? We'll throw okay. in the Blu-ray. I tried to see it in theaters, and I got sick. I literally <laughs> I vomited. Heard about that. I heard about that. That was really a bummer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, how was so, Warcraft? Was it? Did it take place in Asgard? <laughs> no, it took place <laughs> Azeroth. As, oh, was it Asgard? So Azeroth. Asgard is Skyrim. Or, oh, are you oh, sure? No, no, no. That's Lord of the Rings. Asgard. <laughs> we don't, I don't know. It's ass. I'm trying to make the joke that the movie may have been ass. No. Okay. Oh, wait. That's so, Norse mythology. Yeah. I think yeah. It's, yeah. Okay. It's probably in Skyrim as well. All right. Uh, so how was Warcraft? It was okay. Uh, like, I kind of came around on it positively by the end because the last action scene is just, again, completely ridiculous. And it's like, again, like Ninja Turtles, like it's these big green orcs and you just start to believe them is real at the mm-hmm. end. When it's like a human character is kind of walking through a crowd and kind of butting shoulders with them. And just, it looks real. And I'm just like, Really good Man. reactions. And yeah. Stuff. They're getting a lot better with things like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, it, those interactions. Mm-hmm. Like, even games are starting to get a little better with those kind of natural reactions. Mm-hmm. I remember seeing, like, a Tumblr post on how they put a lot of work into that and, like, Roger Rabbit. Yes. And how much that affects... Like, very little things, like bumping the lampshade in one of the scenes. Yeah. It's just like, like, Who Framed Roger Rabbit is a fucking cinematic masterpiece if you want to mm-hmm. talk about special effects and, and, and all that. Like, that movie's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that one is real funny, though, about bumping the lampshade and how they were like, don't do that because it's going to make a real pain to animate. Yeah. Because they had to change the lighting on change Roger the every Roger. frame. Yeah, it's... Man, that movie's so good, though. I need to see that again because I was a little kid when I saw it. And was just I, like, was, yeah, I, I don't get this. Time. I like the first five minutes or whatever when it's the actual cartoon. Uh-huh. And then was lost the entire rest of it. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I really, That's Robert Zemeckis, right? Yep. Cool. Let's do, let's do, let's do a film commentary. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. That'd be kind of fun. Alien. I'd do it. <laughs> I'd do it. Want to watch Alien, Anna? It's probably I've the scariest horror movie I've ever seen. Really? It's really good, though. It's my favorite. So, uh... So, anyways. So... Warcraft. The thing about the Warcraft movie is that it moves real fast at the start and just kind of throws you in. Mm-hmm. And then I was reading online afterwards. Apparently, the original cut was 40 minutes longer. Oh, my God! So, it kind of got butchered in editing, I think. Mm. Well, you are going to get that on Blu-ray. I guess, but it's like... Again, so just as a check, I was like, I asked my dad what he thought, and he just had no fucking idea what was going on in this yeah, movie. Yeah, I can imagine. Because they just don't do a proper job introducing, like, hey, what is the foul that you keep mentioning? Yeah. Like, oh, they needed one line to just be like, oh, this is demonic energy. You shouldn't mess with it. It's like, like that line in Alien that you mentioned uh, last episode. Mm-hmm. Aliens, yeah. 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 So the movie like gets off to a real rough start because it just throws you in and doesn't introduce a lot of the concepts needed to kind of follow it. Mm-hmm. And then just, I don't know, it was okay. Like the story is, they try to add some layers to it to make the orcs more sympathetic than I guess they were in the original game where it was just, orcs bad, humans good, go kill them. Yeah, yeah. 
that was the vibe I got from like even the very first trailer. It was just like, okay, yeah. I hope that they make both of these sides sympathetic. That's really all this needs. They they kind of don't do that, but they make uh, the or they make one of the orcs sympathetic. You like root for this one guy specifically. I think he's totally gotcha. bad. Gotcha. But gotcha. Like, I would really like to see that movie get a sequel though, because hmm. they have the material from the later games where where I think the story probably gets more interesting. Like it would be really cool to see them adapt that whole series. Really, mm-hmm. do you imagine if they like made four movies and they're just like, okay, we're actually at World of Warcraft now? Yeah, <laughs> there is so much lore in those games; it's kind of ridiculous. Like yeah. they really did build a world, and when they got to World of Warcraft, they went even more insane with it. it well, they so had to at that point it's... because they're literally building the entire map and being like, okay, this is it. Yeah, it's it's impressive. Like I don't really care much for Warcraft anymore. Like I played the yeah. games up through Warcraft three, and I played a bit of World of Warcraft. But you know, it's just like medieval settings don't jive with me really well. You know, I prefer yeah. my sci-fi stuff. But it was still impressive how much work they put into even those early games where there's just a lot of lore there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's As a I shame that they kind of. The very first one, the came, the guy who wanted did like the intro voiceover, he kind of came in without a script. Yep. So they made what? it up. Yep. And so the the whole introductory lore to this universe started just somebody like going, "Oh, uh, well, this." Oh my god. And I I like I'm not saying that is like a criticism. I think that's a really. I cool think that's thing. impressive that they built around that. <laughs> yeah. It's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a shame that they kind of I feel maybe bungled the start of what could be a cool trilogy or yeah. series. Mm. Yeah. What was I going to say? Oh yeah. So I've only played world of Warcraft. I don't know anything really about the first three games. Mm-hmm. So the references I did catch though, like seemed like they were really kind of leading into like, Hey, you remember this from world of Warcraft? Yeah. Like, <laughs> so it's just comical. Like the first 10 minutes where there's a scene in iron forge and they do like a big outward outdoor shot of it and then they're in the forge and they do a scene there and then they literally cut like directly to storm wind oh my god and then they do it like an outdoor shot there and then have a scene and then they literally go like let's discuss this in goldshire oh my god <laughs> and, they cut, and they cut to the inn in goldshire and it like looks exactly like it does in world of warcraft and i'm like <laughs> come on come on guys but then it like they chilled out after that but yeah. in the very start it's just like weird fan service stuff yeah but, so I was, like, literally laughing, but... <laughs> That's your hook, I guess. <laughs> it was funny. And then I played some video games. Did you? What are those? I, pl- I played a, a game I know Polly has some strong feelings about. Uh-oh. It's her, uh... It's her third favorite Bionic Commando on the PlayStation 3. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it sets at number three out of three. Yeah, I played Bionic Commando Rearm 2. Bionic Commando Rearmed number 2, as in poop. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I really wanted to like this game. I did, too. I really kind of... My well, review's even kind of positive about it. It's not awful. It's no, just it's... not as good as that first game, because that first game's real good. And first game's just nearly perfect. Yeah, but... I can see how we had totally different impressions going in where you were like probably super hyped, like it's brand new. And then I'm yeah, going in like years later, like, oh boy, how bad is this going to be? And I'm like, oh, it's not that bad. And I really tried to like it. And then it kind of falls apart the further you get in. Yeah. Like the more you get in, the more like out of ideas they got. Yeah. Like they wanted to put 
like I look at this as like they looked at the series that like you know now we are finally at a place where we're not adapting material and we can make a 2D game because we love those games. Let's put our own stamp on it and make this our game. And a lot of the decisions they made are not good. Mm-hmm. Like they just took out so many things that worked perfectly fine mm-hmm. in Rearmed One and threw that out because, you know, who needs the good stuff and replaced it with their <laughs> own stuff. There's a jump button Rearmed 2, is there? There's yeah, a there's jump a, button. There's a jump button? There's a jump button. It's real there's silly. There's a jump button. It's this so- little hop that he has. <laughs> That it's just enough to make all of the yeah. obstacles in the game very easy. So, so what do you think they took out though? They like the, the impact weapons had, how impressive oh. they felt to use, like mm-hmm. the the very elegant and simple swinging mechanics that required nothing but a couple of button presses on a directional pad, and they they changed that with like all of this having to like manually sort your shit like a different mm-hmm. button for I, I believe there's like a button for connect like a button for shooting your arm and a button for letting go like i think okay so like, they might have changed it since then because it's just one button now like the swinging controls aren't bad but then i did go back to the original game and they are very different like mm-hmm. i didn't realize how different they were until so in the new one like you connect with one button and then you press that same button to let go Mm-hmm. But in rearmed, you actually just press a direction to let go. Yeah, or you can just press down to do a short hop. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like, the other, there's none of that elegance in rearmed too. Yeah. The other big thing is that in rearmed one, like if you do a straight up grapple, you do, can't get momentum swinging going from that unless right. you like oh, shoot no. yourself with the shotgun. Yeah. Uh-huh. So that's the big thing in rearmed too is that the jump is like specifically designed to get you up like one tile. And then you can do a upward grapple onto ceilings. Yeah. And then you can swing yourself manually oh. from that. So I don't hate that, though, because it's basically like two different dif- difficulty levels where y- having that jump will allow you to kind of bypass some stuff if you fall down. Yeah. And like it's very, very deliberately designed in that way. So like the jump will kind of give you a shorter route to some. Yeah, and the jump is not necessary. You can beat the game without the jump button. Yeah, so that's what's cool is that when you beat the game, they unlock retro mode, which just turns off the jump outright. Yeah. So you can beat it. So I don't hate that aspect, but then like the jump itself doesn't really feel good. No. And when bosses want you to dodge, like jumping over bullets, it's like, oh, this feels terrible. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. And then, and all the bosses suck. Okay, so here's the thing. Hunters has very pattern-based bosses, right? Yeah. And I thought I liked pattern-based bosses. And then I realized, like, from playing this in a couple other games, where there's a way pattern-based bosses can really, really piss me off. Waiting. Waiting. And that's, and that's when it's a boss where he does, like, three attacks and then reveals his weak point. Yeah. Uh-huh. So, because in Hunters... Virtually every boss is always weak, and you can just shoot them the entire time. Yeah. So the whole game is that you can shoot while you're dodging and, like, kind of trying to manage that, maximizing how much damage you're doing while still avoiding the attacks is interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So in Bayonet Commando, when a boss is attacking, all you have to do is dodge the attacks, and it's just way less interesting to me. Mm-hmm. 
especially once you know that attack and it's just like oh this is like the next 30 seconds is oh he's doing it on the left now and like there's like literally no randomization to these attacks at all the gorilla fight especially is so slow and monotonous I mean, mm-hmm. I think all of them are. Like, yeah, yeah. The they all against- are, but I just remember the gorilla fights, which they like they recycle bosses, but the first game did that as well. Uh, I don't they, think they change anything in this they one. They don't. Though. They don't. They're the same fight. That's so bad. I, the, the fight against, like, the dictator, like, Castro whatever guy. Yeah. Even the flames on his jets. Are the same. Are the same. Yeah. Where it's always, like, the left one and the center one then the outward ones, then yeah. the right in the center. Like, are you kidding me? There's, it's the it's, bare it, minimum, you'd think. Yeah, it's like one of the first bosses you fight, you just fight it again near the end of the game and nothing changes. Yeah, so like the first boss is like the second to last boss as well. Yeah. And nothing changes. Mm-hmm. Like Mega Man has lots of pattern-based things, but there's almost always that extra element of kind of randomization. Mm-hmm. But again, Mega you Man know. is something where you can always attack them. Exactly. Yeah. Or at least the Robot Masters, maybe, like, some of the Wily bosses. Yeah, unless they've I mean, got a shield or something that, like, lets, you know, using a defensive maneuver. Or, like, mm-hmm. Magnet Man stopping to pull you yeah. in. He's invulnerable during that. But that's, mm-hmm. like, totally different than what yeah. this... And that's part of what made Mega Man 4 so boring, is that it has all those mini-boss fights that are like, oh, wait for me to reveal my weak point. Yeah, and- yeah that's, <laughs> that's everything in this, where it's like, the gorilla does... Like one punch, and then like an awkward a chop, and then another punch, and then he like lifts you up right next to his head, and then you can shoot him. Yeah, like you literally, and he does like the same four attacks in a row every single time, no matter what. Yeah, and then you shoot him, and then another change from the first game is that in the first game, if you had a stronger weapon and were really mashing the button, you could like one cycle these bosses. Oh yeah. In this game, they will just cut you off as soon as you hit like twenty five percent damage. Yeah. So, like, they had timers in the first game that when they were vulnerable, they had a timer. Yeah. In this this game, it's just you can only do X amount of damage plus a timer. That's garbage. It totally is. So you can do 25% damage or you can do less if you fuck up. Yeah. (laughs) Which really sucks. Worse than Pac-Man World 2. Oh, my God. That game. That's like. That's one of your few, like, real, like, touchstones for, like, action games, because we haven't played a whole lot of those all mm-hmm. the way through together, but we played all of Pac-Man World 2 together. And I played it a fuck ton when I was a kid. <laughs> yeah, true. That's why we picked it up. I forgot that. And, yeah, there's a lot of those real bad bosses. Really, really bad. Yeah. So, like, bosses aside, though, I just think the level design in this game is just kind of boring. Level design feels based on Bionic Commando Elite Forces uh, mm-hmm. for the Game Boy Color. Because it's all, it's all mazy and boring. There's nothing really fascinating about the levels. And yeah. all the weapons suck. Is that Game Boy game fun? Cause uh, I, the, the first Bionic Commando game is pretty good. Because okay. it's, like, it's a little mazier than the NES game. Yeah, it is. But I still but, like that game. Cool. I still like that game. That's the one so I think not, I still need to go back to. You're not talking about the remake of the first one on Game Boy, right? Uh, yes, I'm yeah. talking about the first Game Boy Bionic Commando. <laughs> yeah. Then there was Bionic Commando Elite Forces on the Game mm-hmm. Boy Color. And then there was Strider 2. Yeah. Ugh. Then Wonder Boy 3, Strider 2 Bionic Commando. Okay. okay. <laughs> well, anyway. 
No, I thought the first Game Boy game was just a remake of the NES. No, it's it's a, it's it's its own thing, but it has elements of that. It's, it's very oh. much an early kind of like you know, like we're huh. making the same game, but we're making it different for the Game Boy, like oh. Operation C and stuff like that. That's one of the four completely yeah. different games named. Yeah, like, yeah. Oh, that's cool because yeah, after playing Rearmed, I went back to the NES game and I, you know I did the LP of it that's probably mm. gone now because it was on Yahoo. Yeah, but it was funny just how the level design in the NES game was exactly the same. Yeah. <laughs> like I had no idea. Like, but that they just copied it. Like they didn't. But they much. when they made changes, they were really they, smart. Like very, very replacing the bosses. Yes, mm-hmm. they fixed like the one really glaring, obviously bad thing in the first NES mm-hmm. game. Yeah, because that NES game is like real rough around the edges and points. But yeah, uh, it's rough around really, the edges, but it's still really, really cool. Like yeah. at the time, you're playing a game where like. Every game was a platformer, and you jumped, and then suddenly you have a game where you can't jump. You've got to swing yeah. everywhere, and it was just like totally – it was mind-blowing at the time. Mm-hmm. I remember having people over at my house, and I would play that game, and I was good at it, and they would just be totally freaked out. Like, <laughs> how do you do this? <laughs> I mean, I played that game as a kid, and yeah, I could not beat the first level. I, I could barely beat the first level when doing the LP. Like, that game – throws you in yeah it throws you in and it's just like it's letting you know right up front i'm a difficult game and you're gonna play by my rules so two (laughs) things one is that that the original nes game has like a really flat kind of difficulty where it throws you in and kind of stays at that tempo yeah Yeah. rearm 2 like starts so goddamn easy oh god yeah and then it Mm. kind of ramps up so i actually think there was a sweet spot in this game there's a couple levels, like, right after the first gorilla fight. Yeah, I, I really liked a couple I of I really like those levels. Yeah. Like, the ones where you're kind of... It's a very vertical level. And yeah. It, like, you're kind of climbing up to this mining platform. And I then like there's the shuttle, one- too. The missile or whatever. Oh, the end. Yeah. I like that as mm-hmm. well. Like, where you're, yeah. like, you have to... It's a race to get up, and mm-hmm. it's really cool. Yeah. But I really like, like, three or four levels right in the middle of the game. Yeah. And then it kind of starts to get a little too busy with enemies and yeah. I'm like, these, these levels aren't fun anymore yeah because like the last level like there's a gauntlet at the end where it's just like we just put every enemy in the entire game on a flat plane Have yeah fun it's i'm just like dumb. what is this it's real dumb it just seems so lazy and tired yeah. by the end i don't like saying lazy when it comes to game development because i know game development isn't easy no matter what you're doing mm-hmm. but it just feels like rushed like we didn't have time to finish this yeah especially mm-hmm. the reused bosses oh god yeah and having them not change yeah is crazy at least in bionic commando rearmed one when you repeated a boss they did different things yeah mm-hmm. yeah i don't mind that if it's like okay you fought the easy version now here's the way harder version yeah mm-hmm. but rearmed two just literally uses the same bosses yeah mm-hmm. yeah remember what i so, i think yeah go ahead so rearmed two just feels like by trying to have a more gradual difficulty curve, it kind of removed a lot of the quirk of the original. Yeah. Kind of mm-hmm. like how Neptunia 1 having difficulty spikes makes it more memorable. In a yeah. Way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the other thing is that, like, Rearmed 1 and the NES game, I guess, obviously, because they're the same levels, like, every level in that game was a different exploration of how swinging yeah. Yeah. was a thing like, in that really game. They really thought, like... How like, like like what technique can we teach mm-hmm. the player in this stage? You yeah, know, and, and and make them. Yeah, it's real interesting. So mm-hmm. you'll have like one vertical level in the entire game, and then like one dark level. Yeah, 
And then, like, one level is, like, huge Metroidvania thing where, like, it's way bigger than every other level in the game. Like, every level in that game is, like, has a singular purpose and what it wants to do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then everything in Rearm 2 is just kind of one note. Yeah. And it just isn't as interesting. I did really like finding some of those uh, Yashishis or whatever they're called. Yeah, the Yashishis. Like, whenever I found those, I felt, like, really good. Like, that was a real cool exploration moment. Like, there's one... I'm not even sure if it was one of those, but like, there's a power up to make your grapple hook onto robotic enemies. Yeah. So like, there was a little gap on both sides, and mm-hmm. I couldn't get through there. So I like, I grappled an enemy on one side to stun him, then ran over to the other side and slid under by grappling him again. That's and real cool. I'm like, okay, I feel like I just tricked the game somehow. Yeah, yeah. To get this power up, but like those moments are. Very few and far between. Because there's so many powers and they're so bullshit because who cares about like half the weapons are bad. Yeah. More than half. (laughs) And then like the drone thing kind of trivializes the game if you use it. Yeah. I didn't even use it because I'm just like, this is stupid. And they give you like a health region power up right out of the gate. Yeah. So I just Uh, had that on the whole game basically. Yeah. Because one of the bo- and then it breaks one of the bosses because he has like a thirty second pattern. Yeah, but if you, but he, it stops if you take a hit. Yeah, so you can just take the hit at the start of it, and then just stand there while he does the rest and be fine. Yeah, <laughs> it's real stupid. So not good. And then the last boss is just like fucking what? And the, uh, you know, the more I think about this game, the more I like, have to <laughs> yell beca- it. Becomes less and less. This is okay, and more. Uh, it's like. You know how some games, like Fire Emblem Awakening, are kind of more than the sum of their parts? Yeah. This is a game where, like, every part has so many glaring flaws that it kind of all falls apart. The yeah. Got it. This thing's barely held together with duct tape. Because <laughs> I was just like, oh, yeah, the fucking story is, like, ridiculously bad. Yeah. Because the first game has this... They walk kind of a fine line between, like, serious and silly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because like the first, the original NES game, you blow up Hitler's face. Yeah, that's yeah, it's, it's real good. So I went back to the, like the the rearmed one, and like the f- dialogue against the first boss is like the boss goes beep beep beep, and Rad goes, "What did you call me?" Yeah. <laughs> so all the dialogue in Rearm Two tries to be that silly, and it just completely yeah. falls on its face. Yeah, it's not very good. But then when it tries to get serious even worse it's even worse like there's deaths and character betrayals and like horrible shit kind of happens in this game yeah it it just kind of like it has no impact whatsoever yeah like it only the only saving grace is that it actually does kind of work as a segue into the 360 like the 3d game (laughs) that and that game's real good Mm. Well, Even that, if its story is utter, utterly stupid. Yeah, it continues the trend of the story in that game being awful, but like... But Mike Patton of... is great mm-hmm. at voicing Mr. Rad Spencer. <laughs> I absolutely love Mike yeah. Patton's performance in that game. That's people you're breathing. breathing. <laughs> so this game is kind of like the story of how everything went wrong for yeah. the Bionics. Yeah. But... The last boss is so oh my tacked God. on stupid. Yeah. Fucking idiot. Yeah. 
Remember one of the final bosses you're fighting, and he, he uses a grapple arm just like you, and he glitched out for me and just never attacked, so I killed him. He's <laughs> like, fuck it. I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. It was a stupid fight anyway. It's a really bad fight. When I fr- So he's like the one boss you can attack anytime. Mm-hmm. He just takes damage no matter what, but he takes like one pixel of like a massive life bar. Yeah. So when I first fought him, I was just like, oh, this is a joke, right? This is like one of those you're supposed to lose fights. <laughs> Because, like, I'm shoot, I shoot him, like, five times, and he's just like, dink. Yeah. <laughs> nope, you gotta win. I'm glad it glitched out for me, and I never have to play that game again. That's a shame, because those kind of fights can be so fun. Like, um, there's a couple Castlevania games where you fight a Belmont. Like, yeah. Uh, Belmont's Revenge or Castlevania 3. There's um, yeah. there's In 3-3, Project In 3-3, where you fight a ship. Yep. Yeah. And it's just yeah. really cool. This isn't one of those, though. Like, this guy doesn't actually move like you at all. Uh, Where, like, he walks across... Like, I I can tell you his exact three attacks. He walks along slowly while swinging the arm, and you have to swing above him. Then he dashes across, like, Sonic the Hedgehog three times. mm -hmm. And then he has a move where he sits on the ceiling and, like, rains missiles down on you. For eight hours. Yeah, and the floor is electrified, but if you just hit the floor once, it turns off, so you can just stand there safely. Yeah. And then wait for him to come down. And then he restarts the pattern. It's real bad. <sighs> yeah, those fights in Castlevania are real kinetic and random and hard. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. yeah, that's a how a player fight. plays those games. A so boss fight against another guy swinging around would be great. And there might be something like that in Rearmed. I don't remember. I don't mm, think so, though. No. That would be real interesting, though. This yeah. <laughs> that's super conceptually red. But then it sounds like yeah. they just completely botched it. And then the last boss is another bionic, and he just fires missiles at you the yeah. entire time. Yeah. <sighs> and then there's a very specific thing where you have to roll a barrel at him. God. Not throw the barrel. You roll it. If you throw it, it will explode because it's on a timer. But if you roll it, the timer will conveniently not explode in before it hits him. <sighs> so I literally died that fight like five times because I'm like, how do I roll it? Oh, I hold down? Okay. Like... You can't throw it. You have to roll it. It's so stupid. Just yeah. those moments where it's like a clear that this thing is not was thrown yeah. together. This thing did not have enough time in the in the oven. Yeah, or just the budget, probably most likely. Yeah, yeah. Bummer. Speaking of that, next podcast is going to be very special because mine at number nine is coming out. Oh, <gasps> oh. <sighs> cannot wait. They posted a documentary. Oh my of the God. making of it, like yeah. done by the guys who did the du- the Double Fine one. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's interesting to me though because the Double Fine documentary was just this is Tim Schafer's baby and his vision and like yeah. everything mm-hmm. kind of flows from him. And then this one is just much more disconnected. Like, oh, here's one guy off in the corner drawing enemies. Yeah, like, it's like Inafune here. I had an idea here. Anti creates do something with it. Yeah, there's no hands on with it at all. Mm-hmm. Which exactly. is so lame. So it's like, I get that that's how, probably actually how 90% of video games are actually made. Yeah. So that's why mm-hmm. the double sign one was kind of misleading in a way, where it's just this one guy's vision. single vision. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But also, I don't think it really affects Mighty Number no. 9, where it isn't someone's singular vision, really. Not really, no. Because that concept art was so good and translated so poorly to the final game. Oh, God, yeah. And it's also really weird seeing footage that was shot in 2014, and this game looks the same. Yeah. (laughs) Like, the Uh, art was basically final then, it seems. Yeah, yeah. 
Like, what the hell? <laughs> oh my god. So, I played a lot of Binding of Isaac over the last few weeks. Yeah! I haven't been talking about it on SoxCast because, you know, there's only so much of this game we can talk about. Mm-hmm. But I finally got 1,001%. Welcome to Godhood, my friend. Woo! Woo! So my final run was just, I finally did the thing I've been trying to do the whole time, which is break the game via the shop. Yeah. Because I saw Northern Line do this a while ago, and he didn't go all the way. He didn't see how far that rabbit hole goes. Yeah. And I did. Oh, my God. I literally, I don't know if I should upload it, because it really didn't go anywhere, because I broke the game so hard. But it's like an hour of me just fucking around in the shop, getting basically every item in the game at once. Yeah, yeah. So there's an item called Restock, which will just... Restock the shop, yeah. Yeah. And it doesn't seem crazy... Until you realize if you stack that with infinite money, it yeah, gets real fast. So I finally got the combo, which is blank card, uh, two of diamonds, and restock. So oh you can my just, god! So you can just buy an item, and then another one appears. Buy an item, another one appears. Buy an item, and then take get a battery somehow. Yeah, and then double your money. Keep buying items. Keep buying items. Keep buying items. So I had a humble bundle, and what's the other one? Sack boy, or yes. sack, sack head. Sack so that head. was, so I would just bomb the donation machine, and it would make coins, and some of those coins would be sacks, and they would give me batteries. So I was just set. Like I, oh my god. Stuff. So I just bought basically every item in the game, and then I picked up missing no, and it re-rolled me. Oh my god. <laughs> so I was just like fucked at that point. So then, yeah, I was just like, oh well, okay, this kind of went weird. You breakfasted. So I, missing no. I thought missing no was a Pokemon. So it's an item in this game named yeah after, after the Pokemon. Yeah, glitch. Binding of Isaac has a lot of references. It mm-hmm. is like nonstop Zelda and Mario references and mm-hmm. Nintendo in general. There's a there's a friend ball that's a Pokeball that you can capture an enemy. Yeah. Up to so missing no is so creepy that it kind of fits the Binding yeah. of Isaac atmosphere. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So missing no is an item that rerolls every item, every other item you have, every single floor. Oh, wow. Yeah. The problem is I had so many items at that point, it it ran out of stuff to reroll me. It could into. only give it could only give him breakfast. There's just like the yeah. first item in the item tables pool. Yeah, it's the default. Like if you fucked yourself. Yeah, it, and all breakfast does is give you one extra hit point. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, well, I fucked this. Like I broke the game. Yeah. And I go, and I go down to the next floor, and missing no rerolls me into the final item I needed for. Oh, that's item. awesome. So as soon as I hit womb one, it was just like platinum god, true platinum god, one thousand one percent. I'm just like, oh, neat, and I just turned the <laughs> game off. Oh wow! <laughs> well, because I, I shouldn't have started the run anyways because it was like five thirty in the morning. Yeah. yeah. So at that point, it was like seven a.m., and I'm just like, oh, I, I win, yay! Okay, I'm gonna turn okay. this off and, and be. So the, yeah, I did. I did resume that run later, and I fired like a single tier and it was like four-way epic fetus oh my god but then when it landed it landed like eight times yep so it was just like boom 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 fucking bombs everywhere yeah so it's four streams of eight bombs each and i'm just like oh this is neat and then you know you just one shot everything on the floor yeah. And then I went down to the next floor and it was just like, okay, you have nothing now. You've got yeah. breakfast. I'm just like, oh, fuck. fuck. 
And then I somehow I found the D100 after that because I think all it'll give you is active items at that point. Yeah. So every time I would just re-roll myself into more breakfast. <laughs> so it was I was using it as like a health buff. Yeah. So even with all that, because I had like infinite health and for some reason it wouldn't take away the like the last few items I had. Mm-hmm. So I still had a tiny bit of damage. So I played the sacrifice room, got the keys, and still killed Mega Satan. Wow. Even though I had like five items or whatever. That fucking game, man. So it was a weird final run. Yeah. I had I got up to like a seven streak. Nice. Kind of finding the final items nice. before I finally managed to break the game. I think the real value in Afterbirth is just how much stuff synergizes now. Yeah, there's it synergizes so much better. Like yeah. everything go everything is just go crazy all the time. I just had the weirdest runs like nonstop one after another, just like this game's real crazy now. Like, what's that? The infinite continuum? Yeah, continuum. The it had, speakers. like, a three-way continuum shot, so it was just, like, a kind of a triangle shape, and then it would come up behind me, and I'm yeah, just like, this you, is bizarre. You cannot miss at that point. Yeah. Continuum with, like, chocolate milk, so it was, like, as f- fast as I could tap the button. Oh, my God. Shit everywhere. I don't even remember the other ones. I posted pictures on... Tom, on yeah. Steam, it was just like, hey, I got like Bomber Blast, Sad Bombs, Brimstone, Curse of the Tower. So when I take damage, the screen like literally stops and goes to like one frame a second because there's so many lasers going off. It's totally nuts. That that game's real crazy now. Yep. And it's just like, what can you possibly like make this even crazier with Afterbirth Plus coming out? Level editor. Yes. That's what I still want. Yep. That's going to be so rad. And people will be able to like make their own mods now. Yeah. So, so people will just start adding in their own items. I wonder if you'll be able to like stack that stuff. That would be interesting. So you imagine if like people make like a community item pack that's like 250 new items. Oh my and like they can synergize. <laughs> oh my god. This game might get real crazy soon. It's going to turn into like Skyrim with mods. The only game you'll ever need. That's what I was thinking the other day, where I'm like, hmm? I said Nep-Nep mods. There you go. Neptunia mods. Nah, Neptunia is all XCOM stuff. Yeah. (laughs) Oh yeah, if you want a strategy RPG where you can make them kiss, Hyper Devotion Noir. Yep. There you go. Though The strategy side of that game is not very good. Nah, it's pretty basic. (laughs) In fact, it's actually, like, really bad. The enemies cheat. I don't even care that they cheat because it's so easy. Everything yeah. has an aggro range. Yeah. So, like, when every fight almost is centered around one really strong enemy, all you have to do is not get near them and kill everything else. Yeah. And then aggro them at the very end and then, you know, use your all your EXEs and shit. So it's just really easy. <laughs> and I'm playing on hard. But, so yeah, Isaac is a good game. Yep. And yep. then I played the hardest game ever. Oh God. Are, are you looking at the text file? I'm 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 not looking at the text file, but I'm no. pretty sure I know where you're going. Well, because the next thing on the text file is Snakebird, but I was going to throw a curveball and talk about Dark Souls too. Yeah, I, I thought that's what you were going to do. Oh shit! I forgot to. I I bought Snakebird, but I haven't played it yet. Oh. Well, I'm glad you bought it because yeah, there's a couple days left on that thing. I was going to remind you. 
Cool. Uh, I've, I've read played the hardest puzzle game ever, so we should try it. Ooh, sounds like fun. Because we like puzzles. I, okay. I watched one video of Snakebird and said, nope, this game's too smart for me. Okay, fuck it. We'll just talk about Snakebird. Uh, this is like the hardest game I've ever played for real, though. God damn. I think, I don't know how many levels there are. I think it's like 50. I beat 11 of them, and I am just at a complete loss on everything else. Like, oh. I, can't, I can't beat level 7. <laughs> Like, it's non-linear, so it lets you go around, but I can't fucking beat level 7. And, like, I've seen videos of later stuff that is just like, oh, now you're controlling 3 at once. Oh, no. Have fun with that. So, (laughs) Snakebird is this game where you play as these little snakebirds, and... Which is very descriptive, obviously. Yeah, obviously. It's a puzzle game where you've got to collect the fruit, then go to the exit, Mm -hmm. and... Like, you can only move one direction. I don't know. Like, it's a four-way directional thing. And, like, as you move, your whole body extends. But it's also, like, a side view, so they are affected by gravity. So it's very easy to just fall to your death. Oh, good. Like, if you kind of extend yourself and then try to turn around, like, your butt will just slide off the platform. And then, oh, you're dead. down you go. So So, this is... Wow. Yeah. All right. There are levels where you're controlling multiple at once and you can toggle between them. So you have to like use one as a platform to carry the other to reach certain places. So this is sort of like an elaborate Sokemon game. That just I actually like... don't know what that is. My only real comparison is that this is probably just as hard, if not harder, than Steven Sausage Trolls. Oh, that's the new Incompare game yeah. that oh, we still really need to play. I haven't played that. So, yeah. so Matt... You can rewind every single individual move you make, and you think, how could this possibly be hard? I can rewind and just try over and over and over, and then I just mentally get stuck, and I just can't fucking figure out these levels. <laughs> they're so simple. I'm just looking they're, at it, and it's yeah. like these they're these five blocks or whatever. And yeah, Just go over there and get the damn fruit, and then get the God. exit. And I, I just can't fucking play this game. It's, like, it's so insanely frustrating. I like had to delete it and throw it in like the trash folder on Steam. <laughs> Because this game just pissed me off so much because it's so fucking hard. So of course, so my... pastel. It's just like, the, and the music is like, do 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 It's got great style and aesthetics, which thankfully, because if it was like trying to be serious, it would be even jo- more joyless. But this game <laughs> is just so fucking hard, and I'm just like, my. Of course, my response was to be like on Twitter, like everybody play this game, so I don't feel so stupid. <laughs> I want to I'm like just completely an idiot here or something. Like I can't figure out these levels. I want somebody to play this and get stuck earlier than me, basically. Like me in anti-chamber sounds like. Because <sighs> like I'm just banging my head against like these five levels I have open. And I just can't figure out any of them because I can see where I'm getting stuck. It's like if I fall down here, I can't get back up. So how do I beat this level without so falling down damn. there? And I I just can't. And it's like. You can't be five lengths long when you get that fruit because then you'll get stuck. So how do you do it the other way? And I can't. <laughs> it's, just... it's like right when you say, when you made that tweet, I looked at a video and said, nope. I saw, like, I was looking through Steam for videos of people playing the game. There's one guy who's doing, like, these hour-long videos of, like, single levels later in the game. Oh, dear God. But he's, like, making progress and he's way further than me. And I'm just like, how are, how are you this smart? Like, are you... Or are you just like banging your head against it and trying every single possible thing? I don't know. Because then even later levels will have objects you can carry with the snakes. Yeah. 
Oh, God. Oh, it gets so fucking crazy. Because, like, it's like I don't even know what the goal in this level is, but how do you achieve that, you know? Like, when it's like, get three snakes up this mountain. And it's just like, well, I don't even know where to start here because there's spikes everywhere and, you know. So everyone, I just, I, I, is it okay that I like have trouble believing you? Just like looking at the videos, it's like, oh yeah, this looks like okay, a if, cute if little thing. That's our jam. If it's the trailer on the Steam page, yes, that trailer makes it look very easy. Okay, those are like the first four levels or whatever. Oh, okay. Trust me, that game gets fucking crazy. <sighs> yes, I want John to play that after the podcast. Okay. The best <laughs> thing that I think with puzzle games is to if you get stuck. Just give yourself some time, mm-hmm. and if you can, have somebody else lay some eyes on it. You know? Well, that's then, why. Because yeah, when you come back to the game, you're a different person than you were when you were first playing it, even if it's just a little bit. Mm-hmm. So you might think of something a little bit differently than you did the first mm-hmm. time. Really, we're always a different person whenever we come back to something. <laughs> yeah. There you go. So. Getting philosophical think- here on the old Socks cast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, but that was so funny because Rhett. And then Anna and I played The Witness at basically the same time. Mm. So we that got game to... gave me motion sickness like crazy. Yeah, you just was like just sick for a week while we played that game. Yeah. I mean, because we played it nonstop. Were so fucking <laughs> delightfully puzzly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then I just got sick, <laughs> just so sick. Every time we walked around the island, it'd be like, oh, I would just get. Did you see someone made an NES version of The Witness? Wait, really? Yeah. Really? Yeah, somebody made an NES uh, ROM of, like, the first 25 uh, puzzles, and they're going to try and oh. finish it. Is it just the puzzles without the island? There's the island, and it's, you, you just walk around, you walk up to a terminal, and you, yeah. you start the puzzle. That's hella cute. Like, that's really neat, but that game, 100% of it won't translate that no, way. No, probably honestly. not. It's just an interesting idea yeah. that somebody put together. Mm-hmm. It's really it's really well done, you know, for having only worked on it for, like, a month or so. You know, they've done. Cute. Well, it'd be less sickening. Yeah. It's, on, it's, <laughs> on, it's on Itch.io, I believe. Oh, oh yeah. Probably a lot less likely. Jonathan Blow plans to sue. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, Snakebird is infuriatingly difficult. <laughs> That's all I can say. Go take a break with something more relaxing like English Country Tune. Oh, God. <laughs> Snakebird, just, it just feels like your moves are so limited where I just don't understand how there can be a solution because I'm like, I think I've tried everything. I don't get it. I just, like, I feel like I'm missing something. It's like, like there's some move where you can back yourself up or what? And I'm just like, no, no, there's not. I'm just dumb. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's driving me mad. Oh, no. I should probably just look up a video of those levels I'm stuck on just so to have some sort of closure (laughs) and then not ever look at the other levels past that. Just like actually hide the game in your library so you never have to see it. (laughs) Yeah. That's funny. So, John, this gets my highest recommendations for you to play it because I'm evil. Okay, only as a unit because we are best as a unit with puzzle games. We are Janna. Puzzle game. (laughs) Puzzle. Solve puzzle. <laughs> hey, Anna, look, I figured it out. Click, 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 click. There we go. I'm so glad <laughs> I'm here. So joyful. Mm. 
So speaking of hard games, I've been playing Fuck Dark you. Souls 2 because I'm an idiot. Why? You're just so dumb. I really wanted to play that DLC. Ugh. So I had to buy the Scholar of the First Sin edition on Steam because it was cheaper. That's the version of Dark Souls 2, which is the bad sequel to Dark Souls. That's worse. It's like the <laughs> ROM, it's a ROM hack of Dark Souls 2. Is it bad yeah. ROM hack? There are so many changes that are just head scratchingly strange and just why but, like no are they're all for the sake of completely missing the point of dark souls is only about difficulty god okay Sorry. some of them are okay like some items are found way earlier in the game now so that you can open up things earlier like mm, or just like that's there's one weapon i really liked called grand lance mm-hmm. that was originally in like the giant memories oh god yeah. so it's like the end of the game Mm-hmm. And, and now it's like in Forest of Fallen Giants for some reason. I'm just like, oh, hey, I like this Yay! weapon. And even though, you know, you can't actually use it right away because it's like 22 strength and 18 dex or whatever. But it's like, oh, cool. Like, it's not 99% through the game now. Cool. And like past a really stupid jump in the giant memories. Yeah. <laughs> and then like you get the ember for smithing way earlier. So you can actually make elemental stuff before you're like over halfway through the game. That's good. But, like, that's kind of it. Yeah. Then <laughs> most of the changes are, like... Are bizarrely stupid. Like, the first boss in the game, Polly Beat, is now, like, locked away behind insane difficulty. An enemy that is near the end of the game. Yeah, there's a dragon, li- literally a giant red wyvern in front of the boss door now that you have <laughs> to kill in order to lower a bridge. What? Yeah. Basically, with this version of Dark Souls 2, they took every level and then packed it with, like, five or six times as many enemies and made the enemies way harder. Not five or six times as many, but, like, five or six more. Yeah. It's just like, man, there's just a lot more enemies now. It's ridiculous. So it's way noisier and clearer. When Dark Souls 1 was was pretty subdued for a lot of it. Yes. And it's like... I don't remember the enemy placement exactly, but a lot of the time it's like, oh, I remember liking this area. What happened? Because now you've just removed the interesting enemies and packed it full of, like, small, shitty enemies that aren't fun to fight. Mm -hmm. Like, so everything they've changed is almost like, why did you do that? Like, do you know Sinner's Rise? Like, there's that underwater, underwater passage. Yeah. And there's, like, those two big... Hum, bah, I'm tripping all over my words. There's two huge, like, enemies down there that are really scary to fight in the water. Yeah. They got rid of those guys and moved the flexile sentry there. Why? And it's just... Yeah, it's just, like, why? Like... And I haven't... So then I haven't even seen those enemies yet in the game. It's like, did you just remove content to add another boss that I've already fought here? Yeah, like, that... Hell. <laughs> That's so stupid. It's just bizarre. And, like, some enemy, some areas are, like, exactly the same. Like, I think the gutter is the same now, except mm-hmm. they added a new invader there, because mm-hmm. fuck you. Yeah. Oh, and they added, like, a petrified statue right in front of the secret bonfire, because fuck you. God. <laughs> so there's a lot of just, like, mean asshole changes. Because like, Dark Souls is about mean asshole difficulty. I guess, like... I would be so confused by this game. Go in as a new player and don't understand these changes that have been made. Like mm-hmm. it kind of, it almost kind of works as like HD Super Hard Edition, like because it subverts Dark your Souls Two the lost levels. Yeah, 
when it's like it kind of works as a subversion of your expectations. Yeah. So as a new player, though, you'd be like, I don't get it. Like this is weird. Mm. Like why does one petrified statue like block a single chest, and why does one block like half a level here? Yeah. And you won't know until you try. So another one of the super early bosses from the original game is blocked by the statue. So like I was just like, oh, I guess I'll go the other way. But another, a new player's not going to know that. They're going to oh. be like, what, why am I at a dead end now? Yeah. It's just, it's bizarre. And like one area was just like, let's remove the mages here that made this area interesting and just put in like 30 spiders. Oh my god. It's <laughs> so stupid. And then, like, those sorcer- the sorceress girls who shoot fire, mm-hmm. they appear way earlier. They appear, like, in that outside area now. I'm just like, but they made sense where they were. Yeah, like, the confined areas you had to fight them in is what made them an interesting enemy. Yeah, so now... It's, if you have, like, room to work with, they're nothing. Yeah. So now there's, a, like, a few of them as snipers outside in Earthen Peak, and it's just weird. <laughs> But then they removed, like, the big guys. Well, not removed, but there's a couple of them. So, what I'm saying is, like, there's a ton of changes that are just, like, why? Why'd you fuck with this? Yeah. (laughs) And then I did reach one of the DLC areas. And it's really good. (laughs) Oh? I'm like, oh, it was all worth it, maybe? Maybe. (laughs) So, I've, I've been doing... I think it's the first one, Crown of the Sunken King. Yeah. And it's this big, like, not underwater, but, like, kind of themed, like, as a f- sunken city theme. Flooded. Yeah. And it's really interesting. Like, the enemies are still, like, really, really hard. Mm-hmm. And it kind of presents you with, like, seemingly bullshit stuff at the very start. And I'm like, oh, man, there's, like, four archers over there. Like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> like, this is... And they're doing, like, a quarter of my damage my health when they hit and it's like oh this whole area is like based around these platforms you can raise or raise and lower so if i just hit this switch and raise this platform up they can't see me anymore so it's a very puzzly area that's kind of cool and then you kind of go inside this temple and then there's like really confined spaces and puzzles and stuff like there's switches everywhere Mm -hmm. and like they give you a bow at the very start because it's like hey you're going to need this like you have to have a bow to hit some of these switches because it's like it's straight up the Zelda stuff where it's like, oh, there's a switch on the ceiling here. Go hit it. Oh, wow. Yeah. Huh. I think Ario Barzan, who writes a lot of my favorite um, Dark Souls criticism, mm-hmm. um, wrote an extended article kind of dissecting the architecture in the, in the Dark Souls 2 DLC. Yeah. Cool. That yeah, seems really neat. Yeah. Still um, had that kind of positive comparisons with the, yeah. with the base game. It really stands out. Like, okay, like cool. this is a much slower, more methodical combat puzzle thing, because mm-hmm. it's it's less enemies but way stronger enemies, and I think that does just work better for that series. Yeah, yeah. Because Dark Souls Two, the base game now is just like, hey, here's like ten dudes coming at you. Yeah, <laughs> start swinging, and like they made that combat work in Bloodborne because you have much faster, longer reaching weapons. Yeah, mm-hmm. and there's also you have the guns. Pan- yeah, the guns are not for attacking, though. No, they're for parrying. Oh. Yeah, the gun is, the gun is the parry. Yeah. What? Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. No cool. shield. No shield. You just got a gun and you parry with it. That's yeah. awesome. All right. Cool. One thing I do like in Dark Souls Two is that there's a ton of weapons in that game. There is. Yeah, and I've been playing without a shield and kind of doing the dual wielding thing, Smart. which I had never done before. Smart. So it's cool. Like if you have like. 50% more strength and dex than a weapon needs, 
you can dual wield it and like it gives you a special animation where you swing both at once. Yeah. It's real strong. Yeah. And you can dual wield some stupid shit. I've <laughs> done so. I got like up to thirty three decks or whatever to dual wield like a twin blade and a halberd at the same time. And it's real dumb. And I'm like, oh this is real dumb. I'm gonna go back to what I had before, but it's real funny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I kind of want to try, like, two twin blades at the same time. Just I just walked around know. with two broadswords, like, fucking come on. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if you oh, have, yeah, like, you, that's something you told me was that you can dual wield in Dark Souls 2. And I was like, can I, can I have, like, two Zvehanders, just two giant swords, and just walk around going, kathunk, kathunk, I did it. Kathunk. I yeah, did it. Does that mean two? It does mean two-handed, which Red yeah. pointed out to me the other day. So Zvehander be means... Two-handed. Yeah, but but if you have like fifty strength, you can one-hand them. If you're strong enough, then you can hit use them with one hand. Oh. If you're really strong, which means putting all your level ups into strength and ignoring your other stats. So well, you, know, you could do it. The thing that bugs me most about Dark Souls is that the, is that there's no level cap. Like that I, is weird. I really kind of hate that because it's like PvP just has to have this honor thing where people are like, oh, we'll all stop at one fifty or whatever. Yeah. Because, mm-hmm. like, in theory, though, you can just keep leveling and it doesn't matter eventually what you put your points into. And you can be like, oh, I have max magic, max faith, max mm-hmm. strength, max vitality. And just kind of win through. It stat. almost seems like a weird, it seems like a weird, um, maybe missed opportunity there. Because I remember by the end of Dark Souls 1, I had just leveled up to the point where everything was yeah. trivial. Mm-hmm. If Dark- they put, had, like, a, six, a level cap at, like, 50 or 60, then oh, that game would cool. never would never get easy. <laughs> you would have to really think about your level. True. Up. Very careful. They need to yeah. include plenty of respecking options yeah. for that to yeah. work. I think. And Dark Souls 2 does let you respec mm-hmm. because why not? Let's casualize everything. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> I think the thing is like in, in PVP, like magic's real important, but like you're not really sacrificing anything to have magic abilities. Yeah. If you can just keep leveling up. But that's a whole other tangent. So yeah, I've really liked the Crown of the Sunken King so far. That's cool. That is that is. There was there was this other like kind of combat puzzle where there was these enemies that were kind of ghosts. Mm -hmm. They were really goddamn strong, like boss level HP. And I'm like, this is fucked. There has so it's like the game presenting me with a challenge that seems like bullshit. I'm being like, there has to be a way around this, right? So in the level itself are these, like, statues that once you break them, the enemies turn kind of fleshy and are weaker. Oh, they become corporeal. Yeah. That's pretty cool. So there's two at the very start, and they're they're standing right next to the body thing that you can smash to make corporeal. So to kind of teach you, hey, here's what the deal is. Mm. And then there's, like, ten scattered across the level. Oh, Lord. And then I finally found the the room where all their bodies were in. And it's just... It's just like fucking yeah, and they're all chasing me. And I'm just like smash, 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 smash. It's like, okay, you guys are gonna kill me now, but it doesn't matter because I can fight you now. God, that's pretty cool. So there are cool ways of like making small progress. Yeah, in that Those game. kind of soft checkpoints. Yeah, that are in a lot of Dark Souls and Souls games. Yeah, cool. so that's that's Dark Souls two ish. Yep. Yep. That's that's what I've been up to. That's what you've been up to. John! Fire! Anna's cute. She just took a Maker's Mark double, so now she looks like a little bit like, hmm. I feel my face being red. 
There you go. <laughs> That's how you know it's working. <laughs> but back to me. But back to me. What you been doing, John? What have I been doing? What have I been doing? I've listened to a shit ton of albums. Uh oh, people love it when we talk about music. On yeah, the it's time for John's music hour. Well, you gotta, you gotta have your own little guitar intro. Let's hear it. Okay, um, I think I listened to five albums. I don't think I forgot any, um, but I think I'll focus on just the ones I listened to more than once. Mm-hmm. Um, I listened to like briefly. I listened. I listened through um, the Cure's Disintegration, and I listened to um, the Deftones album you sent me mm-hmm. and enjoyed them. White um, Pony, but kind of need more time to stew on them and listen to them a few more times. Oh I yeah, those are definitely albums you kind of have to live in for a bit. There's definitely yeah. a lot of mood there. Mm-hmm. Oh, and I listened to Tools Aeneid. I knew there was one more that I'd forgotten. Anima. A- Anima. Anima. Yeah. yeah. And that's another one where I just, yeah, I need Enema. more time. Anima. It's Anima with an A. It's pretty oh. funny. Yeah. Um, A-E. Um, oh. Finally uh, get it. <laughs> I never got that. <laughs> and you I told just, me that there was that a. sounds excruciating and unpleasant. An anima? Wait, what? <laughs> I think you're just talking. I think you're just talking about animas in general. Now. It's it's right. anima. Like like they pronounce it anima, but it's okay. like it's supposed to represent anima. You know the whole. Okay, okay. that and makes then, more sense. And then anima. Okay. <laughs> so it's like you're getting an anima of animas. There you go. Brilliant. Um, it's a spiritual anima. Uh, so the one I listened to uh, the most was Coheed and Cambria's. Good Apollo, I'm Burning Star 4, Volume 1, From Fear Through the Eyes of Madness. That album is pretty much perfect. It is spectacular. I really love that album. I listened to it many times. It is a, couple weeks. It is a prog rock album that is mm-hmm. accessible on a level that most prog rock albums aren't. Yes. Yeah. Coheed and Cambria, um, they remind me a lot of Dream Theater, which I really like, because I really, which, and I really like Dream Theater. But they also definitely have their own voice and they're more digestible uh, and their own sound. And like they never do the same thing twice. Mm-hmm. And I think you're right where that last they have like a number of songs that are kind of that are pretty compact and um, tell their little stories. And then they end on this 30 minute suite. Oh, my God. The and it's filling so well. good. Oh, my God. That's one of my favorite just like sweet songs. Oh, yeah. God, it's so fucking good. Yeah, I really like this album. It I, is like that that last 28 minutes is such an adventure through mm-hmm. sound and audio and just like <laughs> like every single lyric is perfect. It's just it is an amazing. There's all those lyrics where there's like the sun violence. Yeah. Where it's like, whoa, wait a minute. Where he's singing it in like this very lilty kind of graceful way. Yeah. And then it's like, and then I'll fucking kill you. With yeah, it's so good. Just like this very high, you know, you could have been all I wanted, but you weren't honest. Now get in the ground. <laughs> um, so, and there's obviously a lot of, there's this like anger to it, but I feel, but there's enough distance that I feel like it's representing a character and not just like naked id spewing, you know? Yeah, it's, it's, it's. Like, like the way Claudio writes lyrics, like Cody and Cody and Cambria is based on a story. Like the all of their album, like their first four albums are a 
complete story. With um, graphic novel adaptations. Yeah, with graphic novel adaptations. And the way he writes his lyrics is, like, he said in interviews that, like, it's told through a character, but he filters his own emotions and experiences into that because mm-hmm. that's a bit, like, it's how he expresses himself. Mm-hmm. And with their new album, uh, The Color Before the Sun, is the only time that he's ever written lyrics that are to the point and don't have a concept behind them uh, of the, of the Amory Wars stuff. Huh. That's really cool. But yeah, I, I sent a message to Red like, thanks for recommending this. And he was uh, like, I've I never finished it. it. <laughs> Red, you need to listen to this album. It's pretty. I, I don't click with Cambria. You're That's true. I brought it up to my brother and he was like, oh, I don't really like Cambria. I don't know why. It's just... They just don't click with me. I mean, they're like, they've got everything you like. I know. Metal and pop. pop. <laughs> just like, what? How can it not click? <laughs> what, are you, what are you gonna do? I, um, I followed that up with, um, listening to the Mars Voltas, Deloused in the Comatorium. I've never listened to any of these bands before, by the by. So these are all new to me, experience, new to me sounds in addition to new to me albums. Deloused. Uh, so nuts. It's it was really good. It was cool following up Coheed and Cambria because Coheed and Cambria has that like very pristine dream theatery prog rock. Yeah. Um, where the Mars Volta was a lot um, kind of less like less of that very straightforward immaculate production and more yeah. kind of a little more raw and very uh, raw, very like songs that aren't afraid to meander and go on mm-hmm. little adventures. Hmm. Yeah, it's so cool listening to the prog rock things because so many of these tracks just make such great out, um, arguments for longer song lengths. Like yeah. um, a couple of those Coheed and Cambria tracks that are like five or six minutes, mm-hmm. where like three minutes in, there'll be like this stark reversal or yeah. inversing of what the song has been doing up to that point. Mm-hmm. And you could have just, they could have just end them right where those reversals happen, but they, the two halves kind of inform each other in yeah. ways that if they yeah. weren't separate if they were separate it wouldn't mean the same thing and it's really funny because like none of the guys in that band are like like dream theater they all went to music school and are very knowledgeable Mm -hmm. but none of the guys in coed and cambria they just kind of like get together and jam things out and don't really they they never studied they never studied music theory or anything like that they just go off the cuff and like yeah this sounds cool let's go with that oh that's so rad yeah uh, Mars Volta I didn't listen to quite as many times but it made a strong it made a good effect the Mars uh, Volta now we're talking the Mars Volta took <laughs> me a while to warm up to because mm-hmm. you know like before them like you I had listened to just a lot of Dream Theater and Coed and Cambria and stuff so like when I started trying to get into the Mars Volta this was after At the Drive-In which is the band that um, um, Cedric Bixler Zavala and um, the other dude can't remember his name <laughs> Mm-hmm. But they were in a band together called At the Drive In, and they were like a very post hardcore, very straightforward, on the nose music. And then they jumped into this new like thing that is the Mars Volta, and it is just entirely foreign. So when you mm-hmm. go like the stark contrast, it was so jarring. Mm-hmm. Gosh, yeah, that's that is. I could definitely imagine that being weird. Um, but coming off of Cohen and Cambria, I was in for the kind of prog rock, yeah, vibe. Yeah. So uh, it was nice to have that new texture because it was because like Coheed and Cambria was instantly endearing and my thing, but also familiar in a mm-hmm. sense. 
um, where Mother's Volta felt like this sound that was pretty very new to me yeah it's like i need to digest this a little bit exactly it's like don't like a lot of people are like oh you're gonna listen to mars volta jump right into francis the mute and i'm like no don't (laughs) francis the mute like i wouldn't even recommend it after after delouse the comatorium like Mm -hmm. francis the mute is like final boss level (laughs) of uh of the mars volta if you want my that album is very artsy it is. It goes a lot of different places that just aren't like what your ears or musical sensibilities expect. Mm, you know, right. like it takes a while getting there sometimes. Yeah, there's like the 32 minute just insanity. Yeah. Well, there's that one, and then like every track has several minutes of just kind of filler at the end. But it's like it's all trying to like piece together the story. Um, and it's just, it is such a weird album. Yeah. It's dense. <laughs> yeah. You, you've got to be in a mood to listen to Francis the mute. Um, that's kind of my thinking with, um, anima where I got to the end and I was like, all right, anybody with like a four minute track, that's like just wind. Yeah. Is, <laughs> is like, is on, is my speed. I get you. I, I'm, I'm with you. <laughs> so. Um, but those were my favorite ones I listened to. I don't think Pro- Koei, the Koei and Capri one might be the one I enjoyed the most, and and probably gonna may go back to the most. But I really, really liked My Bloody Valentine's Loveless. That that album is also very dense, very layered, very textured, very droney, oh, very droney. But it's like you listen to it, and it's just this. I showed this is the one I tried to kind of share with you a little bit, and um. And it was just viscerally irritating. <laughs> um, Sounds like how Rhett would describe it. <laughs> um, but like, the, you can tell every aspect of like the production is so obviously purposeful. Yeah, everything about that album just very uh-huh. purposeful. It was it's just brilliantly constructed front to yeah. back. It feels like for something that's so drony and like so few like very distinct notes. Yeah. it feels like just as carefully produced as like a dream theater or a nine edge panels or a Yeah. It's very immaculate. I like Uh, it. It's such an impressive record. I believe that they spent like two years and way too much money on it. Yep. 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 (laughs) And, uh, their newest album MBV is just as good. Oh, cool. A lot of people don't, a lot of people don't think it is, but I like it as much. I like it. Cool. 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 And I had one more before that I can listen to. Mm hmm. So, yeah, I really liked Loveless. I really liked Loveless. Yeah, um, yeah. I would, I would healthily suggest doing more uh, checking out of, you know, Coheed and Mars Volta. And, you know, you're, you're on a good track if you're looking for some damn yeah. good music. So it's like those three were the ones that, like, very much connected with me right off the bat. And then The Cure, Deftones, and um, Tool were ones that I want to kind of poke at some more. Yeah, yeah. Um, music's great. Isn't it? Yeah. Played some video games. Did you? I played Whoa. some video game. You know, you're gonna play a video game on our podcast. <laughs> um, I just played a shit ton of Spelunky. Oh, that oh, yeah. yeah. I wasn't feeling any RPGs. I played plenty of Final Fantasy IX and whatnot. You've been fighting around with RPG Maker though. Oh, uh, we'll we'll get to that. Okay. Um, and I was just like, so for like all last week, I basically got home, and you were you would play Fire Emblem for three hours and I would play Splunky for three hours and we watch have Pokemon on the screen or something and it was really lovely. <laughs> no, we had Bob Ross on this. Bob Ross. Bob oh Ross. God. So Hell we yes. have 
So we were just living the dream, is what I'm saying. Absolutely. Um, happy little trees. Happy little trees. I, I was getting really fucking frustrated with that game because, um, because do Spelunky, that to you. Because <laughs> Spelunky, yeah, but but do I get frustrated at games very often? Not often, no. No, yeah. So it was unique, and because um, the thing with Spelunky is that it's ostensibly a roguelike type experience, right? Right. But most of the time, when I would die. It'd be because I made one mistake. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I hit, would, hit points don't mean shit. I would fuck up one thing and then die. My favorite uh, is when you, like, fuck up once and you just start getting bounced around and yes. terrible things keep happening. Yep. Oh, I got hit by a bat. I'm fine. And then, oh, I just fell off a cliff and now I took another damage. And, oh, there's a snake right there. Oh, I'm oh, dead. Oh, and then the spike and then the tiki trap got me. Oh, there it goes. Yeah, exactly. Four damage. Yep. So it was I play the... that game and don't even worry about health because one fuck up and it's done. <laughs> I don't even care. It's, it's just this really taxing thing where like you really need to just be moving real slow and paying attention and every single mistake it's like okay i know exactly how to avoid that i can just not do that that next time i know i'll just beat this whole game perfectly next time i'm positive <laughs> See, that's every what, single time <laughs> that's what makes spelunky so brilliant is that it's a very small tool set of very simple things mm-hmm. that you can fuck up real easily yeah so, like, for me, a roguelike is this thing where you're building up resources and you're making kind of small decisions that whose consequences accumulate over time. Right. Like, you don't usually make one mistake in 868 hack. No. Like, you'll, you could, um, you make one, you'll make one greedy mistake that gets you too many enemies. Um, and then that combined with your other mistakes is what finally does you in. Yes, Absolutely. Spelunky, it's you make one mistake and then you die a yeah. lot of the time. Um, so then it was just kind of stewing on that conflict for a long time because I also really like playing Spelunky. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, it's not one of the best roguelikes ever. It's just one of the best platformers ever. There's a rule to Spelunky that I always follow. It's called the yeah. AB, a- ABC rule. Yeah. Always be carrying. Always carry something. Mm-hmm. That's a yeah. good rule. Yeah. I'm pretty much always picking up rocks or rats or whatnot. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, cause it's basically just like a really, really good 16 level platformer that is, if it were static, it would be really, really good, but it's different every time and every different iteration of it is mm-hmm. compelling. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> he thinks it's only 16 levels. <laughs> yeah. But I fit, but then there was a, I was smashing my head, but then um, Rhett pointed out, have you been using the shortcuts? And then I was like, yeah, oh. Yeah, I didn't notice that. No, I just didn't mm. really think of them as like being an option for some reason. I never and, used them. Oh. Well, once I started using them, it was like, oh, okay, okay. Because now I can practice the jungle more. I can practice right. the ice yeah. level more. That's what it's good for, really. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's save states, basically. Um, it's save states, but you have to start with like no resources, so it's really it's, kind of it's like it's like using a password in an NES game, and then all they give you is the bare essentials for when you start out uh, mm, to yeah. jump to that level. Exactly. So it's use it's very useful, um, and it's made it's breathed a lot of life into the game for me because now I can play levels besides the mm-hmm. mines. 
So um, do you how what's the furthest shortcut you have right now? Um, ice level. Okay, because the thing they ask you to do to unlock oh the ruins. Oh god. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty brutal. I've, I've, I, I, yes, I know what it is. You have to get oh, the yeah. key to bring it there. So I think that's really smart, though, is that the yeah, final one requires you to not use the shortcuts. Yep. yep. So it's kind of training you to get more used to going through the whole game in one go. Yeah, it's it's very smartly designed. Yeah. It's so frustrating because I started on the ice level and then I got like the perfect set of resources and I got to the final boss and then died. Oh. I was so close. Uh, and then I could have started. I, yeah. I could put it down and like feel okay with myself. And then in six, in like two months, break, kick it up and try out hell and whatnot, or try to beat it in without the shortcuts. First time, first time I beat the final boss, I still died. <laughs> Man, I was mad. I was mad. I think I did too. Actually, I have like a screenshot of like me and him in the lava. Like, yep. well, I beat him. I, I did it. Oh man, it happened to me, and I was just like, "Oh fuck you and everything you fucking love, Derek." You. <laughs> so I would really try to get that shortcut for the ruins, though, because that level, way more than the others, is just instant hit bullshit. It is, yeah. So learning that by being able to start there, it's real helpful. Yeah, like that because those fucking thwomps are the devil. They're literally the devil. They blend in so damn well. Oh, Oh, it's a hard game. It's a very hard game. It was getting under my skin for a little bit there, but (laughs) getting the shortcuts made a big difference. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's the thing is like, because it's made of these individual pieces, Mm -hmm. once you start getting good at it, like Mm -hmm. it starts to feel trivial and it feels really good. Like, yeah, when you can, like you're not memorizing the level. But you're mm. getting better at it in a real cool way. You understand the tool set and the rules yeah. the games have set before you, and you can start, you know, playing yeah. within those rules. You mm. notice that you're getting better and better and better. You know, it's like it's yeah. that kind mm-hmm. of gameplay is really what I love. You know, like I like playing a game that is very difficult, but as I play it, I am learning more and getting better as time goes on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I was frustrated because it was like. It was like before I had the shortcuts unlocked. It was like okay, I played this platformer for fifteen hours between Steam and yeah. this version. How have I not finished this sixteen-level platformer by now? <laughs> I know people with seventy and eighty hours that still haven't finished it. God, uh, I'm probably a lot closer than that. Um, You've seen I, the final boss, yeah? I've seen the final boss, and it's not hard. No, no it's pretty easy. I uh, laughed when your screenshot said eight minutes, 30 seconds on it. And I thought you had started from the mines. I'm like, dude, you need to slow down. <laughs> yeah, that would definitely be bad. Cause uh, there is an achievement for beating it in eight minutes. Yeah. Oh, it's funny. Um, Splunky's real good. I love it. It's a great, yeah. yeah it's a, thinking of it a little less as like a great roguelike. Mm-hmm. I, I think, think of I, it I, just as a great platform. I think my steam review of that game is I love this game, but I hate this game. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's harsh because you die so easily. Yeah, I feel yeah. like Downwell is basically a, similar. Is a similar allure in a much more digestible package in yeah. a sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. The thing I love about Splunky is that you're learning the game and not the level. Yeah. Because like mm. a lot of NES games, you just memorize the level. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And in this, you're just learning how to be better at the game. Yeah. Mm. And that's real cool. It makes a huge difference. So yeah, 
Um, Downwell is the first kind of randomly generated platformer thing that I finished, and I felt really good about that. So it kind of gave me the confidence to go back to Spelunky. Awesome. Um, I've I started. Um, I down I redownloaded RPG Maker. I like that RPG Maker, huh? I'm really I'm really having a good time with it. I'm so nervous. I had I've had this like nice little idea in my head for like mm-hmm. two or three years. Mm-hmm. And I kind of did a lot of little outlines and doing a lot of fun. And I started and like basically every time I've had like grand schemes for RPG Maker, um I would think, 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 and then load it up and then give up after an hour. Right. Um, or as a kid, just mess around with it and make random stuff. Yeah. Um, so I'm familiar with the engine. I'm familiar with the vocabulary of the engine. Yeah. But yeah, once I kind of grew up a little bit and started having the grand plans, it would, once it started becoming the actual making shit phase, um, I would just give up. Yeah. And this time has been really exciting because I made a map and then I was still having fun. There you go. And then I made another map and I was still having fun. And then I was like, okay, but there's more to this than making maps. And I made a cutscene, and then I really liked the cutscene. Mm-hmm. And then I made a battle where I took changed the stats to be really small, and it felt really nice. Um, so so far, every step of the creation process has affirmed my like has been kind of affirming as opposed to like suffocating. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really encouraging. So I'd really like to be able to continue and make my little hour long RPG and have my little <laughs> romance. And it, it's good. It's going to be really nice if I could do it. You can do it. Okay. I, I would so. say that you've got, I would say that now that you have made a lot of games, yeah, that there's a much things. better chance of you being able to work within this game's parameters and like mm-hmm. what it wants you to do and how you work with it. Because mm-hmm. I know it's just a matter of, like, I know wh- I, every step now, I know I have, like, the end. I have the whole thing kind of mapped out of my brain. It's just a matter of, like, putting shit on the page and then changing it right. to or, until it works, you know? Yeah. Um, I had a big, long... Hello? Yeah. Hi. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's okay. It's all gravy. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, the, the thing just came unplugged for a second. Oh, good. <laughs> um... But yeah, just every step of the, just actually making shit has been really satisfying and enjoyable. It's really awesome. I think Anna's, I think Anna's getting sleepy. Oh, our special Here. guest is getting sleepy. I think Anna's getting sleepy. We finally bored her to sleep. You want to head to bed, Anna? I think we're, I'm about to wrap up, so I think we're going to be done very shortly. All right. Is there, you can stay up. You can stay I'm up. I'm not tired. You're tired. Boom. <laughs> Nails. Gotcha. Right in the balls. Um, okay, is there going to be a spider waifu in this game? Um, because you said you said I think I think I might over. actually I think I might actually be able to have spider wife and snake wife in one game. Oh man! Oh wait, you should do like a moral choice at the end where you have to pick one, and the other, <laughs> and the other one dies. Okay, there's a train, and one of them is. <laughs> 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 a snake lady is tied to a set of railroad tracks, and if you pull the thing, it diverts into a spider lady. <laughs> um, but yeah, I have I have lots of plans, and I it 
it's you know when you're thinking about a story that you're interested in and it makes you like well up a little bit. You're like, oh my god. He means well up in his pants because he's <laughs> a big old horn dog boner thinking about Spider Lady. So oh, yeah. So I and I also had a I also had a really I had a really nice moment because I um talked with Austin for a couple hours because he has his grand plans for an RPG right and chatted with him for a while about it. He and just he, has really bad opinions. About yes, he does. Such, he's just, so I chatted with him an hour, and then I threw out everything he suggested. <laughs> and um, then, you, uh, you, but, you, but he got to. A, but he, he, I was like, "Hey, Austin, I've got a great idea. Why don't you load up RPG Maker and start making a map?" And then he was like, "Well, I'm kind of in the abstract phase right now." And I was like, "That's okay. Why don't you load up RPG Maker and just get familiar with the interface?" He's like, "Well, I'm kind of just planning things." And it's like, "Come on, it'll it'll help." And then a couple minutes later, okay, I loaded up RPG Maker. And then I spent like an hour, hour and a half kind of answering little questions about the interface mm-hmm. periodically as he actually fucking started making the th- making a thing. Switches! All so, the switches! Switches for events, bunch of switches, pages. So many switches. Uh, I really like RPG Maker. And I, I've, I'm just sticking very purposefully with the default resources as mm-hmm. just sort of like a... All right, th- making this thing is going to be very large anyway, even though it's a small story, even though, because it's a fucking RPG. Yeah. So just sticking with the default assets is kind of a nice way of being, kind of limiting my limiting the scope. Have you seen the balls-ass crazy stuff Nate is doing with it? Yeah, it's so pretty. Very, he's very, he's got a very good design going on there I'm with the graphics. Really, graph. yeah, I played the like 20, thirty minutes of that demo. I'm he's, really excited. He's doing like really elegant lighting and everything. It's really, it, it barely looks like an RPG Maker game. Yeah, I, I didn't really know that it was <laughs> looking up, thinking at it. Um, so I'm really excited about that. So I'm gonna keep making RPG Maker stuff tomorrow. I hope to kind of wake up and mow the lawn and then do shit ton RPG maker maps and whatnot. Fantastic. Making games is cool. Making games is cool. I'm going to be making a game sometime soon. It's going to be rad. Yep. This is the first time in a while like I haven't really been felt as inspired with the game maker projects I have going. So this is... I'm feeling very enthused with the creation process right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes that new medium can kind of help you out a bit. Mm-hmm. The machine game is the new Duke Nukem Forever. Oh, no. <laughs> Someday. But yeah. There was this one game. That yeah, it's the machine like, game and our 2D yeah. fighter. Yeah. John had me do, like, we were, were going to do this game and we were going to do it in, like, one day. Oh my god. So, like, I finished doing, like, all the designs and, like, writing backstories. Weird ass character backstories in, like, two hours. Right. <laughs> So, like, doing, like, all of my part of the game in, like, two hours, and then John was going to spend, like, another two hours, and we were just going to put out this piece of garbage into the universe. And it was going to be lovely. And then I didn't. And then John was just like, but wait, what if we made everything really complicated and... Stretched it out for a long time. John, so now, that's, that's then, not like, how game jams work, John. I'm sorry. That's not how game jams work, John. Well, it's it's not like I've been working on it for eight months. I just haven't touched no, it. No, it's just like yeah. So, I I really want to go back to it. Just like I really want to go back to the machine game. It's just sort of you can't 
force that sort of thing. Yeah, you can't force inspiration. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just dis- the idea. It's it just disappointing really for it's disappointing for Anna because um because like, she has completed these yeah. cute little characters. And you, took, and you took this simple idea and corrupted it. And corrupted yeah. it. It was supposed to be like the short little A competitive two D fighter where you can't thing. actually damage each other. Yes. <laughs> it was supposed to be just super s- silly and ridiculous and absurd set to a Backstreet Boys soundtrack. <laughs> you know, just the absolute most garbage kind of video game you could imagine. And it's gonna be amazing. And it was gonna be awesome. And John was just like, but wait, what if we made everything just... What if we did this? What if we made this more complicated? What if we made that more complicated? Oh no, I can't work on it because I made it too complicated. John, you're the worst. Yeah. Someday. Cool. Backstreet Boys game, by the end of 2016, will be Backstreet Boys game, machine game, and amazing RPG maker game. And everyone, and it's just going to be like, oh, John, you're so handsome and good at making games. And your butt is great. And your butt is great. I, I just tell, tell by your face. Regardless. <laughs> 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 cool. So is that all you've been up to, John Thire? That is all I've been up to. And oh. I've been going, yeah, and I've been enjoying my new job. Life cool. is good. Cool. Red, do we have any news? I believe we covered it all at the start. Yeah, E3 stuff. E3 stuff. Do we have any questions? <gasps> wait, you forgot. Oh, oh wait a minute. Yeah, Jesus. <laughs> what am I doing? We almost forgot the most important part of every episode of the Soxcast. We have butt steam. Oh, boy. Professional butt steam. We have professional butt steam this time. Remember, if you've got butt steam you want to send our way awful posts on the internet by complete idiots, send them <laughs> up to Polly at SoxMakePeopleSexy.net. You can either screen capture that or send me a direct link to the post. This one comes to us from our good friends at Nintendo. Um, I've uh, noticed a little bit of hubbub this week after the Zelda reveal, and they're like, oh, wait a minute. They're, well, I get, you know, they came out and officially said there is no female Link option in this awesome new game we're working on. Because, you know, Fuck women. Who cares? Um, but uh, Alnima was asked directly about this, uh, and he offered a couple of reasons. Director. As to why we can't have a female lead in a Zelda game. So, he had this to say. You know, there's the idea of the Triforce in the Zelda games we make. The Triforce is made up of Princess Zelda, Ganon, and Link. Princess Zelda is obviously female. Never would have guessed that. If we made Link female, we thought that would mess with the balance of the Triforce. That's why we decided not to do it. <laughs> so that's one. That's one. That's, that's horseshit. That he gave another. <laughs> and oh then he gave an even. Fucking God. He gave an even more infuriating answer to GameStop, GameSpot. Um, and he said, you know, if we have Princess Zelda as the main character who fights, then what is Link going to do? Taking into, be a fucking damsel taking into account that and also the idea of the balance of the Triforce we thought it best to come back to this original makeup what a piece <laughs> of human garbage <laughs> I couldn't agree more I think that like this reasoning is just totally absurd it would have been better to not say anything yeah I'd have just shut yeah. my fucking yeah. mouth it would have been better it. to just say no comment yeah it's utterly stupid yeah. There's actually another part to that, that second is... one, though. Uh-oh. Where they say, it's just, 
However, instead of entertaining the idea of the player being able to choose between Link's gender, Aonuma said his team considered what they deemed the simplest option, making Princess Zelda the lead character. So, uh-huh. like, instead of female Link, they were like, okay, what if, what if you play Zelda? And then they're like, well, the balance of the Triforce. So and, and like, like, what is the boy gonna do? So then just make female Link and still have but Zelda is, there. Isn't the other guy a guy? Yeah, so the, ba- the, proper, the properly balanced Triforce is two dudes fighting and a lady. I love the I love it though. Like Link, every, of, every, <laughs> of everything Link can be, you know, he can be a wolf. Oh, yeah. He can be he can a be wolf. A he can be a bunny. He can be he can a be girl. A now hold form. on a second. <laughs> what? Oh, yeah, you have all those forms in Majora's Mask. Yeah, you have. It's like he can be all of this absurd shit. Uh, what about a girl? I don't know. You hold on a second. <laughs> What a fucking piece of trash. So, there's an older quote from last year, kind of touching on the same issue. Yeah, this is from when Triforce Heroes came out, and there was no female character. What do you have to say about that, Rhett? (laughs) This is my favorite one. So there's this kingdom. An event happens, and the king needs heroes. So he puts out a call for heroes to gather, and one of them is this guy, Link. He sees this audition, basically, Heroes heroes needed to play here. And that's the start of his adventure. The story calls for this sort of legend-slash-prophecy where heroes will come together to help solve a problem. And in that, they are male characters. <laughs> Women can't be heroes. That's what he's saying. Oh my god. Literally. <laughs> he is a piece of garbage. Yes. Oh my god, I can't even believe <laughs> that somebody said that out of their mouth. <laughs> Like, the you know, like, I can't even, that just hurts. It's fucking absurd. I remember someone, like, some kind of, who I realized was some right you know, Gamergate type creep, replied to, like, somebody's tweet, that, that person's tweet about, um, that Link can be all these things, why can't he be a girl? And then... He said, well, Link just turns into those things. No one's asking for a game where Link like, swaps back and forth between uh, being a boy and a girl. And, the, the, and several then, people replied to that like, well, actually. And then, and, then, and then he followed that up by just sit, sitting in a corner, spinning around and saying, cut, 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 Like that word means anything. Oh, my God. Yeah. I liked your your fan fiction that you wrote. <laughs> yeah, uh, he said... He sent a thing to me. He sent the reply to me like, Haha, what would that even be about? Like, would it just be like stronger when you're a boy and weaker when you're a girl? So then, so, so for this, and no, no, stronger when you're a boy and faster when you're a girl. So I wrote like a 500 word fanfic at work about the magic gender changing oboe and sent it and sent, sent it at him. And he was like, I didn't ask for this. <laughs> That's insanity. Oh my god. It's pretty magical. See, that's butt steam. Good on Nintendo. I have one other comment, though. Oh no. What? Well, not not a comment to read, just my own thoughts. What bugs me about this is that for years they've been like, oh yes, Link is the self insert character. Like, he's the projection, the avatar. Like, so, like, Link has always been an empty shell. Like, why can't they just, like, 
select a gender at the start of the game. Yeah. So for years they've been like, oh, he's just the placeholder for the player, and that's why there's not voice acting. And now, like, a bunch of other Nintendo series even have female protagonists. Like, you can choose a girl in Pokemon and stuff. Yeah. And I think even you can some of the Dragon, Even some of the Dragon Quests, which are just, like, the yeah. super patriarchal conservative series. You can choose everything, too. In- yeah. Yeah. Like, everyone else has made this shift, and now they're like, oh, Lincoln is, a, is an established character. You can't just make him a girl. Mm-hmm. Oh, like, Fuck off out of here. Which is their right to be like that. But mm-hmm. these excuses Link- are terrible. Oh, God, yeah. yeah, that's why the Link is like I from the little I played of Zelda, it's just a punk in a hat. <laughs> no, like I think somebody pointed out the best thing about it is that the Link in the new game is um, so stressful. Zelda's just... always just so stressful. Just from the very little bits that I played of it, I played like I don't know five or so hours of one of them. And I was just so stressed the whole time. (laughs) Like, it was just, like, (laughs) making me just way more of an anxious person. Like, just thinking about, oh, I guess I should pick up Zelda when I finish this unpleasant task. (laughs) Um, uh, Oh, no. Oh, God. I think the best thing somebody pointed out with Link, like, especially modern Link, is that you could just have a gender select option and then not change the character model. Yeah, because he's so androgynous that it just doesn't make sense, you know, that you can't just, like... You could just have a, a fucking switch in the script that changes he to her. Just play it like Undertale and just don't have anybody yeah, gender. Yeah, don't ever mention the gender. Boom. What? Ta-da! Hey, Link, what's your... What are, are you a boy or a girl? Yeah! <laughs> yeah! Hang out. <laughs> So good on Nintendo, congratulations. You are this episode's big old bag of butt steam. Mm. Brett, do we have any questions? We do. A couple That's from Raquel. Nice. What do we got? I love Raquel. <laughs> oh, I don't think you're going to love her after this one. Oh, no. Oh, no. Uh, I'm just reading this for the first time and just kind of sighing. Okay. If they made poop-shaped d- after-dinner mints... Would they be called excrements? (laughs) 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 Oh my god, that's good. That's good. (laughs) Okay, she has two more questions. All right. I swear we've had this before, but I looked and I couldn't find somebody else asking it. What's your favorite copyability in Kirby? Oh, the 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 Sword Knight. I like Mirror. I like the wheel too. The wheel's real good. Wheel's so fun. He does epic yarn. Yeah, Kirby doesn't copy people. He just turns into string and is cute. <laughs> That's not a real Kirby game, man. That's what a real Kirby game. He's a big that was game. Joe. Joe played epic yarn, and he was like, "This isn't real Kirby." Not nah, dog. Your fucking yarn tank says otherwise. Nice person. <laughs> you wouldn't like nice bad. Nice people don't Nice people don't Nice people don't dislike Epicon. Okay. And final <laughs> question. What's your favorite movie based on a video game? Mortal Kombat. Shit, you're fast. <laughs> yeah, that's the only I that movie, by default. That movie standalone. You don't even have to know the games to enjoy that movie. Cool. 
It's really good. When I played the game, I it's um, not, but it's representative of the dumb games. Yeah, it really like it captures the real utter spirit of what those games are by yeah. having like like it is semi serious about its mythology because those games are known to have pretty good stories. Mm-hmm. Like they put a lot of thought into them just for the fighting games, and I think MK9 and MKX prove that. Uh, but there's still the amount of absurdity and silliness that they still capture, and that first Mortal Kombat movie's really fucking good. Yeah, it is perfect representation. I like the, I like the first Resident Evil movie as well. I Man, I just don't remember those at all anymore. I, I like the second one. Theme I think. movie, the the only movie based on a video yeah. game that I've ever seen was when my dad took me to go see fucking Prince of Persia. No, that was just and real it was generic. it was really bad. Mm-hmm. So I'm just kind there's of skeptical lots, as a person. There's lots of movies that are really good that are, like, about video games and involve video games. Right. Like, I don't know, Tron, Last Starfighter, um, uh, kind of war games, I guess. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I guess. So although there's tons of good movies that heavily involve video games as plot devices and documentaries and whatnot. Yeah. Um, it's just when you go to adapt a video game, they tend to be. Yeah. They missed some of the magic because it's just two different mediums that don't translate really well from one to the other. Mm -hmm. I'm kind of sad that Ratchet and Clank movie apparently did not turn out well. That's a bummer because like they like that those games have all the humor that would make That's for true. A really yeah. fun that would make for a really fun movie. Oh wow. I just showed the clip of Johnny Cage versus Goro. Oh jeez. So hilarious. <laughs> guys, you guys need to watch Mortal Kombat sometime. It's pretty fabulous. It's real good. Aww. <laughs> 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 you... Okay. On uh, that note, Continue. Is that all we have, or do we have another question? No, that's it. That's it? All right. right. We're going to start wrapping things up. I want to thank Anna for joining us on this crazy ride. Hi. How's it going? You're drunk. Go to bed. You're drunk. (laughs) (laughs) I have a lightweight. Yeah, you are. I've noticed for the last 10 minutes, it's just been kind of. You've been feeling real loosey goosey. Hi, drunk I'm Anna. <laughs> you're drunk. Oh my god. Um, is there anywhere like online you would want to keep up with a? Uh, we want people to keep up with you, Anna. Or, or are you not into that? No, don't go on my Tumblr. It's boring. All right, don't go on Anna's Tumblr. It's boring. Don't go on revolutionarygirlanna.tumblr.com. It's don't boring. Don't go there. It's- it's terrible. You'll have a bad time. John Fire, where can we find you? Find all of my elite online internet content at farawaytimes.com. <laughs> Rhett, my good man, my best friend, my buddy, my pal, where can we find you? Rhett's your best friend? Is it entry.tumblr.com? I don't even remember. Yeah, I think it's entry.tumblr.com. <laughs> gotcha. And you can find me at anime girls love Rhett's penis. <laughs> tumblr.com and remember we're the podcast that loves you and we're the only ones that love you that's so sad (laughs) I'm sure there's other people